So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. That guy's name is Al Murdoch. He joined us yesterday on the show. If you want to listen to it, our buddy Sean Kleisiger put it up in podcast form wherever you get your podcast. The Sports Cage Podcast. Please like, share, give us a good Google review. We'd love that. I'm Michael Ball. Across the table from me operating this show is the best producer in sports, bar none. Because he loves sports. He's a public address announcer. He wants to be the next Al Murdoch. Or Michael Ball, maybe. Not so much Michael Ball because he's got deeper pipes than me. But he'd one day love to be the voice of the Rough Riders. And judging by what he did with the uh, Regina Rams, I'm glad he only did one game this year. I might be out of a job by year three. Sean Kleisinger joining me. Uh, wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We're coming to you live at the corner of 12th and Rose. Sorry, you didn't do a Rams game. You did a Thunder game. Daniela Ponticelli does the Rams game. So uh, we got some uh, play-by-play uh, play people in uh, in the bullpen, so to speak. All right, we got a great show lined up right now. Let's just touch on this. The World Junior Hockey Championship. Sweden's come back with two goals in like a minute in the last minute of this second period to tie the United States of America 5-5. You could bet the folks in Halifax, if they have to cheer for one team, they're going yellow and blue zinger. It was 5-3. Yeah, it was. It That's... was 5-3 during the news. Now it's 5-5. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, the goalie coughed up the puck Goalie the coughed up the puck. Sweden's got nicer jerseys. That's how we rank the teams. Sweden's got. Yeah, that's how, that's the way my my mind works. Wasn't that a runaway train last night? Uh, Bedard gets them going, and then uh, they ripped the United States six to two. Although I will tell you, the Canadians got lucky. Those referees, those two interference calls on the Amer- on the Americans for goalie interference, absolutely rubbish. Especially the first one. What are we playing? Badminton. It's the word of the law. It's in oh, the it's rule embarrassing. Book. embarrassing. I'm Canadian and I was throwing stuff at my TV set. Let them play. Let them play. By no the way, goal. by the way, why did we ever call it a TV set? It's not a set. You don't yeah. have two of them. I think that's like back in the day when yeah. I, I, I don't was know. a kid yeah. before you were born. Rabbit ears and you know. <laughs> you can text us 9366262 the number to text our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll get to our first guest in a second. Canada and Czechia later tonight. Pat's coming off a 6-2 loss in Brandon. They play the Seattle Thunderbirds here tomorrow. T-Birds come in 27-4-1. So to say the Pats have their work cut out for them is an understatement. Avs at Canucks. Islanders at Edmonton. Rangers at Habs. The Red Sox are on the verge of signing their two-time All-Star third baseman Raphael Devers to an 11-year contract extension worth a cool 331 million bucks. Looks like the NFL is going to cancel that game between the Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals and just base uh, it on winning percentages when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, 16 games for those two teams, Bills and Bengals. Great news, Zinger, about DeMar Hamlin. 33 minutes ago, the Buffalo Bills tweeted, DeMar Hamlin is now able to communicate through writing and ask the doctors who won the game on Monday night. 
That was like the first thing that's he wrote awesome. down. So yeah. that's great Ho- news. Hopefully he can come back and play again because I know that's the love of his life, playing football. But helping people out is, and that guy could do a book tour. He could do anything to help people out. His toy drive, $5.5 million. That is outstanding news. That makes me smile. You know what else makes me smile, Zinger? Our very first guest. Let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. All right, Ben Hebert, uh, thanks for taking my call. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Happy New Year, Ballsy. What's shaking? Good holiday for you. Did you have a good rest? Yeah, it wasn't bad. I actually got back to Regina for about uh, five days. Only got only got the flu for two of them. Checked into the Atlas Hotel because my wife didn't want me around her and the kids when I was hacking up and puking. So I uh, went to a hotel and laid in bed for two days. But other than that, it was a good little holiday. That's good. You get the remote control by yourself. That's good. Nobody right. I got to watch, watch some World Juniors and some football, and it was not too bad. All right, let's get to that for uh, a second. The World Juniors. I know you're a fan of all sports, and you're a fan of great athletes. You respect the time and effort they put into it. How about that 17-year-old phenom, Connor Bedard? I think we forget he's 17. Dude, just a few months ago, took his mom's RAV4 to get his license. That's how young this guy is. Yeah, he, he's incredible. I um, I went to a Pats game in November when I was home uh, for the Canadian Bowl to watch my brother-in-law there on the Thunder and uh, got to take my little guy to a Pats game and watch him for the first time live. I think he had four goals, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of coasting. Like, hardly looks like he's trying. Looks bored. He's so good. And then I was like, you know, I'm interested to see what he looks like against all the top players with all the best guys, and he's still the best guy. So, uh you know, he's wildly impressive. I would say the last night's game was the first time I saw a good full team effort out of Canada. Outside of last night's game against the Americans, I thought it's pretty much been the Bedard show that every time he got the puck or he was on the ice, it was almost like a McDavid factor. Like, okay, we have a chance to score. He's going to make something happen, make a good pass, you know, twist one, wrist one, top shelf. But uh, he's incredible. Obviously, uh, you know, I got to meet his mom actually at the Pats game. Mm. She knows my dad, so I met her and uh, uh, side note: Her and her family are big curling fans, so that was beautiful to know that they uh, they recognize <laughs> they recognize talent when they see it too. But uh, no, that was great. But no, I'm a big fan of his. I think uh, I don't think he's going to be a you know a one off superstar or, or a one one year wonder in the NHL. I think that kid's in for a 20 year haul of absolute greatness. You don't see guys like him come along very often, and he's super fun to watch. And I'll be dialed into the gold medal game tonight. He just might, if he's lucky, make Ben Hebert money, right? Oh well, if he does that, he, uh, he'll be living in your basement. But uh, <laughs> I think I think he's got a chance to just surpass me, maybe in his first two years. Yeah, pro- <laughs> pro- probably. Ben, let you talked about uh, his parents or his mom being or his family being curling fans. There are three sports that I think uh, should be worried about their future in terms of fan interest: the CFL. Major League Baseball, the average Major League Baseball fans, uh, mid-upper 50s like me, and I think curling too. Are you concerned about the future of your sport in terms of interest and or participation? Uh, I mean, I think always you're, yeah, I mean, I think the short answer is yes. You know, I think if you look at the world today of fast pace and social media and impatience and everybody, you know, looking for the next best thing, yeah, I mean, maybe curling doesn't uh, jump to the top of the, the top of the list but as an active player in it i mean and, and i go to these junior you know um leagues here in calgary as you know my daughter curls on uh, monday and fridays mm-hmm. uh they curl on sundays in the junior leagues i help out and coach the actual the actual participation from a recreation level and a junior level is quite good you know the leagues are full there's a lot of kids that are keen i think the olympics has driven that and 
you know, the ones that want to really try hard to get there. You know, they see a they see a path to greatness or to television, to the Scotties or to the Briar. Um, but as far as in-house entertainment and, and seats in the stands, you know, we're not selling out the Saddle Dome or Rogers Place anymore like we used to when I first started playing. But I think a lot of that goes towards convenience. Uh, and that's obviously if you look at money these days with how much everything costs, inflation, and that's not an excuse. I think that's a reality for a lot of families that we need to look at. But to go to a rider game, you know, I used to be able to go to the university section at Taylor Field and pay, what, 11 bucks, 12 bucks to get in there? Like, yeah, I can't go to a Stamps game here in Calgary you know, for under 50 bucks for a ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, it's expensive, and you think you have to look at that. But, but I do think the biggest thing that we forget to talk about is curling is such a great television sport. It is. And I think also the CFL is a great television sport. I think TSN does a really, really good job of uh, uh, showcasing both sports and both games that there's a lot of times that I'd be sitting here in Calgary and Regina, I could sit at home, have a beer, make some nachos, watch the game, kick my feet up. And if it's not nice weather out, I'd rather that because the broadcast is so, so good. So if you take into consideration the amount of people that are watching our sport on TV, plus the people in the seats, no, I don't think either one of them is hurting at all. I think a lot of corporate dollars and, and TV revenues are going to come in on that. But, yeah, would you like to be selling out every single game in the stadiums and going crazy? I think you would. Uh, but that's just kind of a different time. Uh, we live in a different time than that right now. But, of course, we want the sports fans to get younger, short and sweet. Yes. Yeah. So, Ben Hebert, you, you touched on something very interesting. In terms of team sport, it's the one sport where coaching is very limited. You don't have an offensive coordinator or a D coordinator screwing things up, uh, you know, like hockey coaches or managers. Uh, you, uh, you know, your coach, you might see that coach, uh, coach once a game. Like, it is really an athlete-controlled sport. Yeah, I mean, you got a lot of accountability on the players. I don't think, uh, I don't think I've ever had a coach that I would say was the reason we won and the, or, or the reason we lost. You know, I think that's... Uh, when you see the top teams today, a lot of the times, you know, you don't even live in the same city, so it's a lot of accountability on practicing on your own, making sure you're doing the right things, implementing the drills the coach wants or your other teammate wants. And, uh, you know, in a team sport with only four guys and, like you say, one coach, there's not a lot of finger pointing to go around. If you start pointing the finger, it can come back at you really quick. It's not a it's not a 30-person or a 50-person roster like, uh, you know, NHL or, or CFL or NFL. So, no, it's a, it's a pretty accountable sport, but that's why I like it. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty crystal clear if you're playing good or if you're playing not. It's, uh, it's not a sport that you can hide, that's for sure. But, uh, and I've taken the good and bad of that. I've, I've had weeks and years of greatness and other ones that I've been trash. So uh, I'm good with both of them. But hopefully, hopefully more weeks of greatness. Yeah, and speaking of that, how's the team uh, gelling right now, the Botcher team? Yeah, Team Botcher, we've, uh, we've been on the upslope here. We've, uh, we're 15-3 and three our last 18 games. Uh, we've been dominant in the round robins in the, in uh, in our last three events. We've been undefeated in our last three. We've lost a couple semifinals and a quarter. So just got to get over that playoff hump and keep playing well. But uh, you know, our last spiel, we were number one seed heading into the playoffs. We were undefeated. You know, we knocked out uh, Team Adine, they're the number one team in the world. Then we knocked out Team Gushu, they're the number two team in the world. And then we ended up losing in the semifinal to Italy. But no, we've been playing great. Guys are working hard. I love uh, really really enjoying playing with Brendan and Brett, the two young guys kind of making me feel young and uh you know get those butterflies back and and that hard work ethic back to kind of get to the top of the mountain and playing with mark kennedy again my old teammate for 12 years has been a treat so 
I think there's going to be some real good things on this side of the new year in 2023 for our team. So, uh, Ben, lastly, you know what an unbelievable athlete I was and continue to be, like twisted steel and fading sex appeal. I have not (laughs) been on a curling sheet since probably the early 2000s when I drove to Moose Jaw through the through the stone for a, a media kickoff event, one stone welded it right on the button. Like you couldn't have walked it down any better. Dropped my broom, walked out of the rink, went into my vehicle and drove home. <laughs> T- tomorrow, tomorrow, I am taking part with my son on a team for a Saints and Sinners event at the Cali. Do you have any tips for me? Well, I, I do love your story about fluking a draw to the button because I will say, no matter who I've taken out, any athlete whether it be the Flames, the Oilers, a couple guys off the Stamps, every time we finish with an hour, one, they love it. They're like, oh, man, this is a great sport. Two, the next day I get a message saying, I can't believe how sore I am from sweeping. Oh, my God, I thought curling was was weak and for softies and yada, yada. So you always get a little more respect to the the athletes like you. You know, you twisted steel, you know, you're cut like a diamond. But I promise (laughs) you to get out there and you – and you sweep properly, you know, you're going to have a little little sore hammies tomorrow, maybe the quad, maybe your left glute from sliding, and maybe those shoulder blades from scrubbing. And if your shoulder blades aren't sore, that means you're not, you're not doing it hard enough. So I wish you all the best. Try not to fall. And the only key tip I give rookies like you, put your slider on the throw, and when you go to sweep, Take the damn slider off and go with your two running shoes. That's the way to success right there. All right, I'll remember that tip from one of the greatest curlers of all time, Ben Heber. Thanks for your time, my friend. Okay, Ballsy, take it easy. This is Growing the Game in Saskatchewan, where we shine the sports cage spotlight on an amateur athlete, coach, or builder who is turning heads on and off the field. Well, I do a podcast called Growing the Game with Ballsy, but we like to grow the game here on the sports cage. Uh, Of course, we've got football covered from sideline to sideline. This is a guy that's been growing the game for 11 years now with the Selects football program based out of Moose Jaw. That'd be Zelko Stefanovic. How are you today, Zelko? I'm doing. I'm doing great, Michael. Happy New Year, man. The 11th year now for the program, and this month's going to be key. Before you guys go to your uh, regular uh, trip down south, you got some uh, cool things going on in January here. Tell me about it. We do, man. Like, uh, obviously, uh, you know, the program has grown in 11 years. I mean, we started off with you know 36 kids and. Um, I think this year we're probably going to be close to, you know, across three Western provinces. I think we're going to have about 800 kids part of the program. Uh, so it gives us an opportunity to be able to do some stuff here at the Yara uh, throughout the winter. So in the middle of the month, we're going to have our a seven-on-seven tournament, um, which is super popular in the U.S., and it's becoming increasingly more popular here in Canada. And then at the end of the month, um, the last weekend of the month, we're hosting our own tournament here for the the second second year in a row, and it's just our own select program, select teams from across the uh, you know the three western provinces, and we're gonna have about twenty teams at this tournament. It's gonna be crazy in at the Yara Center, man. That's awesome, and I'm gonna be on the call. We're gonna broadcast that thing, so that'll be great. So, um, yeah, things have really grown for this program so much so you guys are going down to Texas again, and it's bigger and better than ever in San Antonio. Tell us about it in terms of how many teams and uh, you know how many athletes you're taking in the age groups. Well, man, so so we're taking you know across across the three provinces. Like we have a Manitoba Select, and then we have Saskatchewan Select, and. And then we have our Alberta Selects program. Um, and the crazy thing is Danny Nesbitt, who was one of our former coaches, uh, is now coaching with the University of Alberta, and he 
you know, with some of our help, started a, a selects program at the University of Alberta. So they're going to be bringing four teams to our tournament as well, and they're taking those teams to San Antonio as well. So it's going to be a ton of fun. I think we're like we're going to end up with probably 15 teams from from the three western provinces that are going to be heading to San Antonio, and it's, about, it's going to be about 600 kids. Um, and then, you know, the tournament is bigger and better. It's, there's going to be about 80 teams at the tournament this year. We're going to be playing at UIW, which is University of the Incarnate Word, uh, which I think went to the semifinals against UND, believe it or not. Yep. Uh, did not, like, I think... You NDSU, know, they're, they're, yeah, yeah. NDSU, yeah, absolutely, yep. So, so, so we're going to be having some games there at Southside High School. You know, uh, it, the tournament's going to be all over the city of San Antonio. We're expecting probably about 2,500 people to travel down there from Canada. Uh, and then another six or 7,000 people that are going to be there from the, across the U.S. I think there's a team from Alaska. You know, a couple of different uh, clubs from Mexico that are going to be traveling. You know, we have one of our former coaches who coaches now in North Carolina, he's going to be bringing a couple of teams from uh, from his high school. So it's going to be a ton of fun, man. Um, it, and again, bigger than than we ever could have possibly imagined that this thing was going to get to. So um, you know, it's always it's always it's always good. It's always uh, you know a fun time to go down to San Antonio. And the competition this year, we're expecting to be uh, again better than ever. Can uh, people back to the Yard Center thing? Can people come watch the seven on seven and the uh, that tournament you got at the end of the month? Is there enough room? Uh, you know what? Like we're allowed. I think we're allowed just under uh, just under a thousand people in there. So uh, yeah, we we encourage everyone because the games are going to be going Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, you know, the finals are obviously going to be on Sunday, uh, and of course, you know we. <laughs> Being from here, we're, we're 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 sure hoping that our Saskatchewan teams are going to be in the finals on Sunday. Uh, like you know, if people can't make it, uh, there's an option now with IKS Media. We've kind of we've partnered with them, with Paul, uh, and they're going to be broadcast. We're going to have like four different cameras going, uh, so we're going to be able to live stream the entire event, the entire weekend. So people are going to be able to log in and watch it if they if they can't make it, which is going to be I think a phenomenal option. We've never done that before. They're also going to set up a big ass screen um, in in the yard, like a 20 foot video replay screen. So we're going to be able to watch the the replay in, inside the yard, which has never been done before either. So we're, man, it's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be crazy. The vibe in there is going to be unreal. Yeah, um, yeah. That many people at the yard. Looking forward to it. Yours truly is going to be on the call. Thank you for asking me to do it. I always love uh, watching and calling football because I need to polish my skills too. Okay, lastly. Lastly, we've got the uh, big FCS football championship matchup and a couple of Regina guys that were uh, a part of your selects football program are in the game for the South Dakota State University Jackrabbits against NDSU. First time those teams have ever met in an FCS championship. They're both from the Missouri Valley Conference. I know those teams well, obviously. And we've got Max Polischuk, who is a Sheldon Williams Spartan. He is a safety and a special teamer. And we got backup offensive lineman and uh, special teamer Ethan Vibert, former Miller Marauder, but both were a part of your program. So there you go. Oh, case in point, your program helping guys get to the next level, even in the United States in big time NCAA football. Yes, sir, man. Like we're so proud of those two boys. I tell you, like Max, you know, has been. They're both grinders, man. And that's. I was talking to a coach from one of the universities yesterday in the U.S., and I said, man, you know what? 
we have a lot. We have grinders here, man. Like we're not, we don't have guys that are going to be running 10 to 100 meter dashes. But like I tell you, they're grinders. They're, you know, they're solid academically. You know, they're hard workers, and that's what you find here in Saskatchewan, man. And you know, coaches are going to be coming to our tournament from all over the place. You know, from Canada, from the junior ranks, um, and and of course, from you know, we're just working out some of the compliance stuff with the NCAA to be able to have the coaches come to our tournament here as well. So. You know what? The more eyeballs that we can put on these kids, you know, the better it is for them. And I tell you, Max and Ethan are case in point. Uh, you know, they, they've been, you know, they've made our program so proud. Um, you know, we went, Deb and I went to uh, watch Ethan uh, uh, play this year at Iowa. It was, you know, in front of 80,000 people. I tell you, what a dream it was for that kid uh, to, uh, to run out onto that field uh, with that many you know, without many people, you know, just a local kid from Regina, man, Miller Murata. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show you, man, hard work pays off and, and, uh, and uh, the sky's the limit when, if you're willing to put the time into it. All right. That is Zelko Stefanovic in our growing the game feature. Got some big things happening at the Yara center in January. You want to check out some great amateur football, go check it out. Middle of the month, seven on seven, end of the month, their big uh, full on full tackle football tournament that uh, is going to be broadcast on IKS media. Thanks for your time, Zelko. Absolutely. Michael, thank you so much. Hey, would you come with me to call some games? Yeah, Let's go. 29th though. That could be your team could be in the, our teams could be playing on a, in like an a- a- AFC NFC Where's playoff the location game. at? Moose Jaw, you drive with me. Yara Center, like their field house out there. Ooh, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about it. Hey, I wanted to talk about this. We talked about Demar Hamlin and the fact he's he's uh, holding family members' hands and now writing. Asking, yeah. he asked the doctor, the doctors who won the game, and what did they say? The doctors answered. Yes, Damar, you won. You won the game of life. That's awesome. Yes. And, and check this out. According to the great the reporter Albert Breer. The man who used his quick judgment to save the Bills player's life is their assistant athletic trainer, Denny Kellington. He should be recognized. Last night, Breer said that because of Kellington administering CPR to DeMar Hamlin on Monday was absolutely vital to his life. Now, I don't know how they do it. But they're gonna. They should give this guy an SB. He should be recognized in every stadium somehow. Like, there's got to be something for this because this is on the last person to die on a field was Chuck Hughes of the Detroit Lions, a receiver who had a uh, a heart defect that nobody knew about or a clogged artery, and that's why he died jogging back to the huddle. Mm-hmm. Actually, died right at the feet of Dick Butkus. Believe it or not, they're playing the Chicago Bears. But this never happened before. Like. They averted a, a terrible situation here. This could turn into a miracle story all because of Denny Kellington. How about like a decal on a helmet, something on the field, like anything? DK. DK, yeah, something. something man. For the year. An get, award named yeah, after them. An award or something something in every stadium Guy for the year. life. And give him an SP or let him make a speech. Like there's got to be something for him. But that's just a great, great story. Hey, when we come back on the other side of the 330 News, we've got a lifestyle and health feature with our expert trainer, Tish Duffy. It's Train with Tish. It's a new feature here on the Sports Cage on 620 CK. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. Some very good news out of Buffalo. 56 minutes ago, the Buffalo Bills tweeted, DeMar Hamlin is now able to communicate through writing 
and asked the doctors who won the game on Monday night. And the doctors answered, yes, Damar, you won it. You won the game of life. So that's uh, good news for DeMar Hamlin. Canada goes for gold tonight at the World Junior Hockey Championship. They will take on Czechia. Czechia beat Canada in the round robin 5-2 to two back on Boxing Day it was. One thing is guaranteed tonight, a Regina Pat will win a gold medal. Will it be Stanislav Svozl of Czechia or Connor Bedard of Team Canada? Puck drop at 5.30. Well, we promised you in the new and improved sports cage here in 2023, we'd have some new features and new contributors, and this would be one of them. Her name's Tish Duffy. She's a pretty well-known fitness instructor. You can see a lot of her stuff online on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're calling this Train with Tish. I wanted to get you on for our first little hit here, talking about the infamous New Year's resolutions. And everybody's going to get back to the gym and stay in shape, and it lasts about six weeks, and they're done. What are? Give me a couple of unrealistic uh, kind of resolutions people have at the gym. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. I do appreciate this. Um, and the second thing I, I wanted to say about the unrealistic uh, resolutions is that most people, I think, um, do exactly have that unrealistic expectation of what they can accomplish in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, you know, and I think that that's the biggest problem is um, the first thing people need to do is set uh, a schedule or meet with a coach and set some realistic goals because those unrealistic things that people don't accomplish and can't accomplish in a certain amount of time that they think is what leads them to quit in those six weeks. So I would say people, you know, assume that after a couple of weeks of being consistent, maybe improving their diet, they're going to feel and look uh, like they've lost, you know, they, they feel like they're going to be losing that extra 15 pounds they've been carrying around for three or four years. And they also think that the energy is going to be coming back instantaneously. And unfortunately, that just doesn't happen. It takes a lot of time. Um, and the good news is, though, that there's, if you do give people some realistic goals, and you do set a time frame, et cetera, that those things can be pretty, you can be pretty consistent and accomplish some things pretty quickly. Okay, so give me one realistic thing to keep people on track. We talk about kind of the six-week window where they're feeling good, like, okay, I see a difference. I'm going to keep going. I guess people need to understand that the first thing that they're going to expect to see and feel is increased patient energy and better sleep. So those things do happen pretty quickly. Um, as long as they've showing you know, some, some consistency, you know, getting to the gym. And the great thing is you don't even have to go to the gym every day. If you're consistent three times a week, um, followed by, and I just find a lot of this stuff just ha happens organically. You make the effort to get up, go to the gym then all of a sudden, organically, you're starting to eat better as well. So once the nutrition also improves, your energy instantly improves. So a lot of this has to do with nutrition as well. So that energy, um, you know, a better mindset, better sleep, right? Without that sleep, people just, you know, especially when people get older, you know, I'm almost 50, um, sleep is, is one of the most important things. If you're not getting sleep due to being unhealthy, um, you're really not going to feel great. So improved sleep, um, more patience with children, with staff, employees, etc. All that stuff you'll see, you'll feel and see almost instantly. It's the physical changes that take time. This is Tish Duffy. This is Train with Tish. Check her out on Twitter by that handle and also at Instagram, Facebook too. Thank you for your time, Tish. My pleasure. Thank you.
You might be on your way home out doing errands, sitting at home, at the office, on company time. We're okay with that as long as you got us tuned in, either on the Airwave 620 or on our app, 620CKRM.com, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. Third period, Sweden was down 5-3, scored two goals late in the second, and early in the third, I have a goal, so it's 6-5. to five. Hey, you were touching on this, Zinger. One way or the other, a Regina Pat will be a gold medalist. Either Connor Bedard for Canada or Czechia's Stanislav Sposal. Both good kids, both good players. But when they come back and you know you recognize the guy that won the gold medal, it's going to be very awkward, isn't oh. it? One guy's going to be celebrated, the other guy they'll say, and oh. let's say it's Sposal. And congratulations to Stan for a silver medal. Yeah, or even just in like the locker room for the yeah, rest of the year. Like I know he's gonna oh, rib him. Put yourself in those yeah, shoes. Yeah, you know I what happens. You know like what that. happens in a locker room. Maybe you should have requested a trade. <laughs> <laughs> All the guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. We're not that far away from CFL free agency, my friend. The, the guy we're watching around here, obviously, Bo Levi Mitchell. But there are a lot of good free agents out there. And this guy represents some of the big-name players in the league. He would be our friend Rob Fry. Agent, thanks for joining us. Happy New Year. Congratulations on the newest addition to your family, Carter. How's Carter doing? Hey, Ballsy. Thanks for having me on. Happy New Year. Yeah, he's doing really well. Thanks for asking. I mean seems like there's a lot of uh, flu and colds coming through every household these days. We're, we're no different. We're, we're battling a few of those in our house, but we're, we're getting through it, man. How about, uh, how about mom, Christina, your lovely wife? How's she doing? Uh, she's doing well. She's, she's thriving as a mom, and yeah, we're having a lot of fun with uh, having two now under the roof. It's a good time. No kidding. So uh, now are, are we busy as an agent getting ready? We're only a month or so away from free agency starting. Yeah, sort of just the calm before the storm at this point. Um, not as much looking around elsewhere around the league, more so at this point in time, still just sort of focused on potential, you know, extensions for guys with their current club and sort of seeing where that will go and allowing teams a little bit of time coming off the Christmas break to just sort of assess their situations and finalize their coaching staffs and get all the information gathered. And, and I think things will really gear up and, as we get a little further into the month. What's your biggest job? Other than getting the name on a dotted line, what is your biggest job as an agent here in this time, in this month or so? Yeah, I think uh, I think just being organized and uh, really establishing just expectations with guys and learning even maybe more things that I don't know about them and their family and their desires just to really have a good comprehensive understanding of what, with what will ultimately be their best interest as we go into it. So really just preparation and establishing trust and expectations at this point. And do you, do you, do you sit down and give them like, you know, as, as I like to say, back the camera up and give them a, a wide angle view of what's going on here. Like for instance, a team offers them X amount of dollars, but you look at that market, it's like, well, okay, it's good, but your money doesn't go as far there. Uh, as it would say in Regina, I know in talking to people, Tyson yeah. Tyson Philpott's money certainly didn't go as far as Jalen Philpott's money. His brother, one plays in Calgary, Tyson plays in Montreal. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Very, they had very similar contracts. Just a few 
picks off in the draft. Yeah, I, you know, everything on the table is, is looked at. And my goal when we go through this process is just provide as much information as possible and, and go through it many times so it registers. And just I, I always say an educated client is the best client. Ultimately, you know, when it comes to free agency and making decisions, my, my guys make the decision. I don't make it for them. But yeah. really try to try to provide as much clarity as I can, and so that they feel comfortable. If and educated I, if it. if I'm right, I think you're representing Falerin uh, or a Malade with the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah. Thirty-seven tackles, mm-hmm. six sacks, one pick, one forced fumble. Uh, you know, just talk about his game. Obviously, you'll have glowing uh, things to say because you are his agent. But uh, yeah, he definitely for, had a coming out sure. party. Yeah, he did. You know, he credit to Calgary for sticking with him and, and being loyal to him through, um, you know, the first couple of years of his career that sort of were off to a slow start just due to injuries. Um, but obviously they, they knew what they were doing. They knew what they had in him aside from being a really good dude and, and just a really good leader in, on the team. He's yeah, he's shown what he can do rushing the passer, but also beyond that dropping back into coverage. He, he's, he's really a Swiss army knife, but tough guy to block. We saw it in the Western final there he was a tough guy to block off the edge i guess that was the yeah that was the western final yeah against bc there yeah making play after play yeah he's he's a dynamic player and um well he's definitely due for for a really good contract coming up here okay so uh, what what's you know where does huff rank although dickinson i guess dave would be the gm now but where does huff rank as a guy that you uh you know when you sit down and talk contract with where does he rank in terms of toughness to get something done with I wouldn't say uh, – I'd say somewhere in the middle. Uh, what I like about Huff and what I've always loved about doing business with him is he's, he's direct. There's, there's no fluff, and I, I don't like fluff myself. I like to get down to the point and um, understand what his side is, and he's you know, really good about listening and understanding the agent and the player's side too. He's, he's a fair man. Um, I would say over the years he's, he's not one to overpay, if you would, um, you know, relevant to the market, but – he takes care of his guys, and, and I like that. And one thing he also never does is, at least in my experience I haven't seen, is he doesn't cut players before big bonuses are due. So when, when Huff commits mm-hmm. to a contract in a, in a league where, you know, we all understand nothing's guaranteed in multi-year contracts until now, we, we have this ability to put a portion of guarantee into contracts. But up until this point, there hasn't been that um, as an option, and he he's always been been loyal to his guys. And when a deal's done, he he stays true to it. So I, I appreciate that about Huff, and uh, I will miss doing business with him. He's, yeah. he's kind of stepping back a little bit and handing it over to yeah. Dave and other guys within the office. But uh, they'll they'll do a good job as well. So that's an interesting man. I could talk to you for an hour here. That's an interesting angle. So you go into a locker or into a negotiation with Wally Buono, okay? Or Dave Dickinson, where they're now the coach and the GM. Or Chris Jones. He's negotiating, and he's also coaching the team, okay? Like, how Mm -hmm. how do you do that? Like, what I'm getting at is this. So the GM is going to try to negotiate better for the team, so he might not have the best things to say about your client, but then he's coaching your client. So how do you keep things on the rails, so to speak? Yeah, well... I think that's a big reason why agents exist, right? Is is it is hard for a, a coach slash GM to to negotiate directly with a player because just as you made mention of, like there's going to be things that they're going to speak about 
that are um, on their side of not paying the amount that the player wants. So I, I think I'm sort of grateful to be in the position where I can sort of soften some of those things and, and maybe put some love behind them, um, mm-hmm. sort of take out some of the, the hard feelings and the emotions of it and just make it a little bit more like comfortable and business oriented. Um, I don't hide things that teams will say about the player. I don't, I just pride myself on being as honest as possible. And when guys trust their agent and you've built a good relationship, you can just truly be honest every step of the way. Um, but it, it, yeah, there has to be trust built to, to have tough conversations and share everything. <laughs> this is CFL agent Rob Fry. Okay, a couple more quick questions for you. Another guy, Curly Gittens Jr. You know, the Canadian birth certificate. But the best thing about him is throw the birth certificate out, even though I'm a, a pro Canadian guy. That guy was the yep. best receiver on his team. He was a machine. He had, he had a great year. Um, you know, he's worked his butt off. He's he's made just immense strides since coming in as a rookie. His his route running is, is special. You know, he doesn't do one thing crazy good on a um you know, he he's not the fastest player in the league, he's not the longest player in the league. He just does everything so exceptionally well across the board. Um he just actually worked out for the New England Patriots a couple of days ago and had a really good workout with them and, and really impressed them. So we'll be kind of keeping in touch with their club as they go through their little playoff run here to explore the potential of a futures contract with them even right. before we get into CFL stuff with him. That's so pretty exciting. That's awesome. Okay, we're uh, short on time, so i got to squeeze uh, some in here because you're a, a great guest and uh, knowledgeable in this uh, this uh, aspect of the game as we're coming up on free agency. How does the how does the nag list work? Like, for instance, Mason Nias from Regina, U of S Husky mm-hmm. quarterback, has been signed, but I don't think the Riders uh, have contacted him yet. How does that work? How long can a player stay on there? Yeah. Well, the key, the key is that the nag list is just holding a player's rights. They, a player can stay on a team's nag list forever. Um, and that's, in his case, that's what the riders did. They saw something in him and said, let's, let's just claim his rights. Um, I think that the nag list stays private because um, teams that maybe don't want the player or his representative to know that he's, they have his rights. Um, they might not be ready to sign the player. They might just want to secure his rights, just buy themselves some time to really dive into their roster and make sure it's something they want to do. Um, but when a player's on a necklace, they could start a 10-day window. They would basically email the team, say, I'm starting the 10-day clock, and that gives the team 10 days to offer a contract. And if they don't, then at the expiration of that 10 days, another team could could go ahead and, and nag them. So hmm. you can start a clock, but sometimes it's not the best thing to do, depending on the situation of the player. They might, you may not want to ruffle feathers with the team that's shown some interest. So it's going to be a little tricky dance depending on the situation. But that's kind of how it works. Awesome. I have another question for you. As, as it relates to, say a guy was on this team and then he goes, he's looking in free agency to go to this team. You talked about guaranteed contracts. If a guy is going from team A to team B and he joins team B, I'm under the understanding that he can't get guaranteed money in that first year. Am I right when I say that? Yeah, 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 that's exactly right. So it's, it's really um, a feather in the cap for the existing team to secure you know, some longevity with their roster. So something that maybe hasn't been discussed with the Bo Levi uh, situation, or maybe it has, I, and yeah. I just missed it, but 
smart move on the Ticats part to trade for his rights. Then now they have that, um, you know, feather in their cap that I made mention of that they're the only team that can offer him guaranteed money to, to my knowledge. I, yeah. I'd have to look further into it if they're going to count Hamilton as his existing team for that, but I think they should. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's that's an in, that's an interesting angle for sure. And lastly, yeah. uh, we've seen Nathan Rourke going to all these workouts six or seven. You you mentioned your client Curly yeah. Gittins Jr. Our own uh, Kean Schaefer Baker with the Riders. I think he's been at seven camps. He's had a lot. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. so help us read the tea leaves. Should we expect if a guy gets that many workouts that he, somebody's going to sign him? Uh, most often, yes. Yeah. I would think so. If if a guy's had that many workouts, the odds of him getting an offer are, are really high. Now, what what that offer will look like? Will it include guaranteed money? I don't know. Um, now I've had a player work out for over eight teams at one time and and had one only one team offer guaranteed money, uh, thankfully. But sometimes, you know, it, if you don't get the guaranteed money, it makes it a little trickier to decide what to do. If you don't have guarantee and you go down to the NFL, you could find yourself you know, losing out on quite a bit of CFL money just to go try out. Mm-hmm. So that's that's always a tough call for the player. Most guys take a shot on themselves and bet on themselves and go down there, but sort of adds an element to it. Love to call on you again, Rob. I really appreciate your time. You're a good man and uh, good for the league. Thanks for your time, Rob. You bet, man. Thanks again. Rob, yeah, Rob Fry, CFL agents. Got the likes of Navarro Daniels, Curly Gittins Jr., or a Malade, bunch of good uh, players under his uh, tutelage as an agent. When we come back, I, we'll try to catch up with Farhan Lalji. This is the Sports Cage uh, here on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here on this Thursday. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. I think I heard in our news with Andrew Dawson, there is a watch party at the Brand Center tonight to watch the Regina Pat players. Connor Bedard for Canada, Stanislav Svozil for Czechia in the gold medal game. Uh, right now it's 6-6 Sweden and the USA. Let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline, speak with TSN's Farhan Lalji. Thanks for taking my call. Farhan, who do you got tonight, Canada or Czechia? Honestly, I know you're Canadian. You want Canada to win. Think Canada uh, avenges that opening loss to Czechia? Yeah, I think so. I think they'll be motivated. I think their goaltending's at a better level. Connor Bedard's sick and taking this tournament over. So I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I'm an expert on this tournament because I have watched so little of it mm-hmm. with all the football stuff I've been doing of late. But uh, from everything I've read and and way the two teams are trending, I, I like Canada's chances. And I'm sure many people in Vancouver would like to see a tank job to get Connor Bedard the way he's playing. Well, they should. And also the way the Canucks are playing, right? I mean, yeah. they've been... So bad, and when you look at the schedule they've got coming up, I just don't see it getting any better anytime soon. This is going to be a struggling team the rest of the way here, and um, they, you know, for the last ten years or the last eight years at least, when it's been evident they've needed a rebuild, they've just been so resistant to it, and you wonder if it now gets forced upon them. Now it'll be a, a really, really difficult thing to execute. You know, a couple of my my colleagues. Uh, we talk about it, and they're like, it's really difficult to win at an elite level, and it's really difficult to lose at an elite level because of how you've got to clear the books and, and affect your roster in order to do that. It's easy to stay in the middle, right? And that's kind of where the Canucks find themselves. So can they be intentional and deliberate enough to change their roster to the point where maybe they can tank? Because right now, points-wise, they're closer to the bottom five in the NHL than they are to the final wildcard playoff spot. And 
when you look at the schedule they've got coming up, games against Colorado, multiple games against Colorado, I know they've lost four straight, but we do know how good they are when healthy, and multiple games against Tampa and, and other elite teams. This team's in trouble, right? Like, they've got a nine-game stretch where there's, there's, they're going to be lucky to win three, let alone more than half of them, and they'll be dead and buried at that time as far as the standings are concerned. So they should be tanking right now. Speaking of buried, does Bruce Boudreau finish the season out as Canucks coach? Probably, because there's not necessarily a ton of upside to removing him now and paying an additional coach, right? I think he knows that. I think they know that. And I, I don't think they want a dead cat bounce right now, right, where you bring in a new coach and all of a sudden he gets the team's attention and they play at a different level. Like, I, I'm not sure that's what they're looking for, uh, given where this team is at, especially if they have to move on from guys like Bo Horvat and Luke Shen, who are such you know important leadership-type pieces along with just what they do on the ice ability-wise. Um, so I, I don't know that you want some sort of artificial balance, right? So mm. I would be surprised if uh, Bruce Boudreaux, if they were going to fire him, I think they've had ample opportunity to do that to this point. So I'd be surprised. Got about four minutes. Farhan, I want to switch the football. Stanley Bryant signing a one-year contract extension with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He'll be 37 in May, signed there in February of 2015. He's the only guy... I think to win the uh, Most Outstanding Lineman Award more than twice. This guy, I, I don't think he's missed a start as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. That is unbelievable. That's 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 uh, Whitworth uh, worthy. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, he's a guy that's managed to maintain his level. Do I think he's necessarily uh, the Stanley Bryant of a couple of years ago? Not not necessarily, but that doesn't mean uh, he's not an exceptional player, right? And. Uh, he is also one of those pieces in that room that they, they always have room for, it seems, right? So how much time does he have left? We'll see. But his longevity has been fantastic. And if you're Zach Caleros, those become the priorities, right? That, you know, you want to make sure that offensive line is taken care of. You know, the weapons are important, but you, you think you can find the right guys if given the right amount of time, and they've managed to do that. I mean, you look at Saskatchewan, right? People talk a lot about the quarterback, but you and I both know the, the O-line is the bigger issue there, and, Winnipeg's managed to figure that out. You surprised uh, Chaz Purifoy was cut by the BC Lions? Um, to a point. You know, I've kind of heard some stories as to what happened. I, I don't believe it's as simple as him being a cap casualty and them wanting to avoid a, uh, a roster bonus in February. I, I do know there were a few other things at play. I know he wasn't necessarily a fan of playing safety. He wanted to go back to playing Sam where he felt he was a little bit more involved. And there were a few other things, but, you know, it all kind of happened really quickly. Uh, so when I when I kind of heard the story after the fact, it, it didn't necessarily surprise me. They've got to cut somewhere. They're, you know, they do want to find some money if they need to pay Nathan Rourke what they potentially would in the in the slim chance that he comes back next year. Uh, so I think they want to have all those possibilities and eventualities in place if needed. You led me right down the garden path. So when will we find out about Nathan Rourke? Big announcement. He got engaged. But uh, when will we yeah. find when will we find out about what's going on with his football future? Um, I think that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure they're married to necessarily signing on the ninth, the very first day that he can sign. I do know he's got some workouts coming up uh, tomorrow and the next day, and uh, he's got workouts scheduled for next week, but uh, I don't know if he's going to take them, right? So he does have some offers right now. There's some offers with some pretty good guarantees attached that I think they'd be comfortable with, but they want to make sure that it's not just the right financial contract that they go with, but the right overall situation that fits him. So might it happen on the ninth? It might, but it, you know, it, would I be shocked if it went another week 
Uh, I wouldn't, but I don't think it's going to be, he's not going to get too deep into this. I, I do think that there's only a certain amount of workouts they want to go through. They've got a pretty good sense of what the landscape is at this point, and a decision will come in short order. You cover the NFL. we got about 90 seconds left. Derek Carr, he's not with the Raiders now. Like, he's he's benched. He's done. Um, I look at their team. Devontae Adams. They had uh, Hunter Renfro. Uh, Waller, the tight end. They have Jacobs, who has a breakout year as a running back. Now, granted, there were some injuries in there throughout the year. They weren't at his disposal the whole year. But the fact they're so bad, is that a commentary on Derek Carr? Josh McDaniels, which one would you lay more blame at there? Uh, probably McDaniels, to be honest. And look, I know he's very good with quarterbacks, but he hasn't necessarily been able to get the best of David Carr. And I think that was one of the reasons he got hired, right? Uh, because he didn't have a lot of success his last go around as a head coach. And, you know, he's been very particular about the next opportunity and having a quarterback that he believed in was important and having a guy that they felt they could get the most, they could get the most out of the quarterback was important. And it, it hasn't worked. Now, look, I don't think you can completely absolve Derek Carr, right? He's had weapons around him. He's been less than accurate. So I do think there's a bit of blame to go around here. But, uh, you know, I thought Derek Carr a year ago was trending in a really positive direction, right? So for him to take – it's not like you had a – it's not like Trevor Lawrence who struggled so much as a freshman under Urban Meyer and you you needed a guy to take him forward, which Doug Peterson's been able to do. This guy was trending forward. You wanted to make sure he stayed on that trajectory. So I think right now I'd probably go 70-30 laying the blame at the head coach. Arash, thanks. Or, sorry, Arash. I looked at my schedule because Arash is coming up next. Farhan Lalji, great, great uh, reporter with TSN play-by-play guy for them, CFL football uh, and Canucks, too. This guy's got everything covered, kind of like Arash. Hey, we haven't even talked college football. I know. We'll have you on again. So, I'm, you, I'm going to L.A. tomorrow for the championship. Oh, game. well, we'll check in with you there. Good job, man. You're See, I get you guys confused because you guys are always on the road. One guy out east, one guy out west. Thanks for your time, Farhan. I appreciate it. Take care, buddy. All right. Farhan Lalji joining us, TSN. Yes, Arash Madani from Sportsnet coming up after 4 o'clock. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Corner at 12th and Rose. It's like my own ESPYs here, the Sports Cage Awards. I want to give a shout-out to Andrew Dawson, our news director, who also reads the afternoon news here. Guy's the best news presenter probably in the province with a bullet. And Arash Madani joining me on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine-in, take-out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Arash, you know him better than anybody. TV has more people in your ear and getting things lined up for you and everything like that. The key to a good show is a good producer, and we got the best in Sean Kleisiger. That guy does a lot of good work, and you'd, you'd be able to speak to just uh, having the behind-the-scenes people do a good job. Oh, they're the engine of the whole operation, Ballsy, you know? Zinger is the offensive and the defensive coordinator. Um, he's, he sets us up for success. So yeah, absolutely. It's so true. It's, it's the epitome of having a good team. You need to have somebody good at the controls. Speaking of good news and accolades, how about – I wanted to get your thoughts on this, okay? Denny Kennington is the assistant athletic trainer for the Buffalo Bills, and Albert Breer had a report today crediting him as he was talking to medical experts saying that ha- uh, Hamlin would not be alive today. DeMar Hamlin of the Bills would not be alive today and progressing, holding hands and writing things now and communicating. He would not be alive today without Kennington. I think this league, the NFL – needs to do something to recognize this guy. You know, I, Posey, I'm, um, 
I'm friendly. I have a working text relationship with somebody at the Buffalo Bills in their front office. And I texted him today, and I said, Sunday against New England, don't – this is an idea, you know. I said, my idea is don't introduce the offense. Don't introduce the defense. One by one with the crowd going wild and the fireworks going off and the smoke machine happening, up on the Jumbotron, one by one, put up the names and introduce every single member of the medical staff that was on the field that night in Cincinnati. The, the people tending to DeMar Hamlin, the people in touch with the hospital, the people who stayed behind in Cincinnati to deal with him in the ICU, the people who traveled with him in the, in the ambulance. One by one, they come out, introduce them and give them their minute and give them their due and give them their moment to be celebrated by everybody there in Western New York. I think that would be incredibly cool. I love that. Okay, another guy that's being um, heralded, and he should be, a former Winnipeg Blue Bomber in 2007, along with Cliff Kingsbury, Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. Early in his tenure, a lot of people said, why are we holding on to this guy? They were like 6-25-1. And, and then he takes him to a Super Bowl, and everybody to a man, Joe Burrow, and everybody said, that's why we have him on our team. What he showed... In that uh, moment, just humanity coming over, and when uh, uh, Sean McDermott, the Bills coach, said, hey, I don't think I can coach. i got to go to the hospital with this guy. Taylor's the guy that said, we're not playing this game. We're not, yeah, like, and, I'm- Balls, you know what that says to me? What does it say? Yeah, and I just think that just highlights, more than anything else, leadership. Um, that's what you want. In, in, in the moment of absolute chaos, um, you want to have yourself an incredible leader. And that's what Zach Taylor has taught everybody in this, in this situation. Sean McDermott has taught everybody in this situation that this is not about winning games. It's not just about X's and O's. It is about everything else. And good for Zach Taylor and good for Sean McDermott. Now I think this has opened people's eyes that winning isn't the most important thing always. Yes, it's a professional sports endeavor. Yes, it's big business. But they kind of showed, as you pointed out, the humanity in all of this and how much that's required in a people business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, staying with the football theme, as I, uh, as I uh, look at the Raiders situation, they are one of the most disappointments this year okay I put them on my disappointment list I have them uh, let's see I have them at three I got the Rams as the most disappointing team because no defending champions fared worse the next year Denver number two Raiders number three I put the Colts at number four because they thought Matty Ice they gave him a big contract thought that he'd have some left in the tank and then my fifth is Carson Wentz, not a team but a player. I want to talk about two two of those. The the Raiders. Like the the Raiders with Derek Carr, uh, I don't know if you can you know, he has to share some of the blame, but I think more of it goes to Josh McDaniels. But here's my question for you. If Derek yeah. if Derek Carr goes to the New York football jets I believe they yep. instantly become an AFC contender. Not AFC East contender, AFC contender. I, I, I can't go that far, not in a conference with Buffalo, Kansas City, and Cincinnati. But 
in that division, I think they're better than Miami. I think they're better than New England with Derek Carr. Like, let's remember, because everybody's memories can sometimes be short. Derek Carr and the Raiders not only made the playoffs last year, they went into Cincinnati and very nearly beat the Bengals. Like, they had first and goal from inside the five. And if they convert there, since he's not going to the Super Bowl, since he's out in the first round, and who knows what happens to Zach Taylor then, mm-hmm. that, was a, that was a Raider team that felt like it was on a mission. It felt like, you know, the Cinderella story after John Gruden was fired and Rich Bisakia took over midway through the season. And I'm with you. I thought they were the team to look out for in the AFC. And then, you know, destruction happened. So I do put a lot of this at the feet of Josh McDaniels. And here's what I wonder, Ballsy, and I really wonder this. Is McDaniels' play now, I can't see him moving forward with Jared Stidham as the guy. Is he hoping to bring Tom Brady to Vegas? Who knows? It's interesting to see what will happen. I don't think he'll be back in Tampa Bay. Hey, where do you think... Sean Payton ends up. Is he the coach of the Rams? Because there's a lot of talk McVay's going to go upstairs. Or is he the coach of the Denver Broncos? I think he's the coach of the Denver Broncos. I think Sean Payton is going to get a record for the richest contract for a head coach outside of John Gruden in NFL history. This is an organization that just sold for over $4 billion that has the you know the Walmart heirs as their owners. I think they're looking for the magic bullet. They just have invested everything into Russell Wilson. What's Sean Payton known for? The Midas touch with quarterbacks. Mm. Somebody's got to revive Russ. Someone's got to make Russ cook. I think they're looking for a savior. I'm not sure Sean Payton's the guy to do it, but how do you sell any other coach to that fan base with Russell Wilson as the quarterback? I'm not sure. I'm not sure you can. Jim Harbaugh, is he in the NFL? And if so, where? Indy looks like it could be a nice spot. Midwest, nice transition. He's a Midwest guy. He played for the Colts back in the day. I think if Jim Harbaugh is offered any NFL job, Indianapolis, Carolina, um, you know, who knows what other gigs may open up over the next little while. Is Bobby Smith safe in Houston? Is... uh, what happens with Pete Carroll down the road, blah, blah, blah. I think Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan if he's offered an NFL job. Now, do the Colts make sense? Mm, I'm not sure because who is Indianapolis's quarterback? But that said, do you turn it down? I don't think you do if you want to get back in the league. Jim Harbaugh is one of those wild stories because he had nothing but success in San Francisco um, but there was a power struggle with the GM and the owner and the, and the head coach and the GM and, you know, the GM won the power struggle with the owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Harbaugh got to two NFC championship games. He got to a Super Bowl with San Francisco. So he's had success in the NFL, but he always had a quarterback. And that, to me, becomes the question mark in Carolina. It becomes the question mark in Indianapolis is, Who's the quarterback there? And um, yeah, 
But I, I do think Harbaugh leaves if an NFL opportunity comes. Speaking of quarterbacks in Indianapolis, um, 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, but he choked on the backstretch. He would be Carson Wentz, so he was shipped off, goes to Washington. I've watched him this year. He is, I think, it, he looks cooked. Speaking of cooking, he looks like he's done. What about you? Oh, Falsy, what if I said to you five years ago when he was the best quarterback? I know. Before the ACL and the Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl that year. What if I said to you then, Carson Wentz is going to be a backup in 2023? Because there's not a starting job for Carson Wentz next season. Nope. And it's amazing how quickly the fall from grace can happen at that position in pro football. So, yeah, he's been one of the all-time disappointments because of how crazy shoot out of a cannon phenom his career started. Um, I just can't believe he's regressed as quickly as he has in as many different spots as he has. I mean, he's gotten ample chances in multiple organizations. And lastly, just staying with football, we need a Jays talk next week. Um, So Cincinnati – the home of Vontes Perfect hitting Antonio Brown, and he's never been the same mentally since that happened. Yeah. The the Paycor Stadium was site of Tua Tungavailoa going down earlier this year with that seizure. Guys had three concussions in two months, and of course now with this Hamlin thing. But Tua, should he play again? I think that Tua is one hit away from never have like you should never play again. Like there's no reason for Tua should not play this weekend. Tua needs an entire off season to recover. Um, how do you tell somebody they shouldn't play or they can't play or or whatever? You know, it's well he better sign a waiver then if I'm the Miami Dolphins. You sign a waiver, we told you not to play, you want to play, it's on you because I don't want no lawsuit coming back on me. Yeah, no, I hear you. Hey, I yeah. hear you. And, yeah, just don't do it to us. It's yeah. not worth it. Arash, have yourself a good rest of the week. When we uh, come back next week, we'll talk some Blue Jays baseball because it's not that far away. Thanks for your time, man. Thanks, boys. Look forward to it. Arash Madani joining us for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. And in goal is Thomas Millich, who took over as Canada's number one goaltender, has a save percentage of 921. Pass to Lucius, busting in, Chaz Lucius, rebound, Lucius, but that was knocked away. Chance after chance, Lucius in alone seeks in behind the defenders, and that's a beauty blocker save. And Canadian goaltender Thomas Millich made 43 of those saves in the semifinal versus the U.S. yesterday on way to a 6-2 Canada win. So two Regina Pats will be facing off for gold in a few minutes here. Stanislav Vozel of Czechia and Connor Bedard of Canada. Thomas Millich and his 43 saves in the semifinal. Today's sports cage clutch performance for Nick Service. And Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. And the bronze medal game just wrapped up. It was wild. It was woolly. Back and forth. 
and the Swedes blow it and lose to the United States in three-on-three overtime, 8-7. to seven. That's a 1984 score Man. there. The Swedish goalie, I don't know what he was doing on the game winner. He was just sitting there on his knees. He, like... The guy's right in front of him. He doesn't even move his arms or yeah, anything. Like no. he, he got, like he caught. He was sleeping. Probably tired too. And, and by the way, yeah. they're really cheaping out on these medals these last few years, huh? Like not the medals aren't even fully like they're not a full medal. They're not a full medal anymore. Like three quarters of it is blue. Inflation. Like Inflation, the, the outside of it is is bronze. Guy, man, that's pathetic. Next year, maybe it'll be macaroni art <laughs> from yeah. kindergartens or something. Yeah, you're competing your butt off for a medal, and it's like something it's plastic, you could get, dude. get at the, the Dollarama. Mid, three quarters yeah. of that. Look at that. Yeah, it is. That's Look embarrassing. That. The last couple of years has been like that. Yeah, I God, agree with you. Che- they're cheaping out on jerseys. Look at Canada's white, god-awful potato sacks they wear. <laughs> they're playing uh, here tonight against Czechia. All right, so uh, let's get to some other stuff here. Call yeah, these. I got to th- calm down. Thir- Thursday thoughts. If you still have your holiday decorations up, is it intentional? Or have you just been too busy or lazy to put them away? Now, regardless of your reason, there is a single perfect day to take your decorations down. And that day is today. According to Christian tradition, you should be taking down your Christmas trees and decorations on the 12th night to avoid bad luck. Not the 12th night of the year, 12th night after Christmas, which is today. What if you don't have time? The twelfth night celebrates the arrival of the three wise men when they followed the star of Bethlehem to bring gifts to baby Jesus. Now, you tell me, I don't want to hear about it. Well, guess what? Christmas, Christian, Christ, so I don't care. Then don't take the presents or the gifts or the time off. Christmas is Christmas. I'm not deviating from that. Uh, so uh, the other thing is, too, though, I like to keep it up. There's the Orthodox Ukrainians, so they still have their trees up. And, you, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just listen, I'm just reading the story that I saw. I'm not making the 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 rules up here. Now, here's a totally impractical way to save 15 bucks. Have you tossed out your 2022 calendar yet? You could still use it. Oh. Just serious. No, I'm serious. Just wait a decade. <laughs> like January 5th was a Wednesday in 2022. Uh, it's on a Thursday this year, but the same dates line up in 2033. So in 2033, you can use your 2022 calendar and just mark it off. So save the calendar. If you're a pack rat, tell them the sports cage told you that and save it. But isn't this year a leap year? I don't think 2033 is a leap year. Or am I uh, wrong 2024 on that? is a leap year. Oh, so, so 2024. Oh, it's 2023 20, this year. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, yeah. yeah, what are you doing? 2024 will be I'm usable out. again, though. It will be usable again, though, yeah. in 2052. I'll be long gone by then, but 2052, okay. you can use the leap year calendar. Okay, there you go. And speaking of times, they are a changing. Let's talk about fads. You'll be gone in 30 years? No, come on. could be. Don't get morbid on us could here. Be. There's well, if somebody's changing my pants, I hope I'm gone. There's no cure for the common cold. There's no cure for the coronavirus, but there might be a cure for the flu, and it involves putting a potato against your foot. Oh. Now, this isn't science. This is TikTok. But a video is going viral online where a woman shares a flu remedy. You take a potato, cut it in half, then slice off two pieces. You press the potato slices against the bottom of your feet, put the socks over them to keep them in place, and remove them in the morning. 
There will be an indentation on your feet, which she says is normal. It's TikTok, so it must be real. And the uh, potato slices will be a disgustingly dark color because the toxins are removed. She insists you'll feel much better. And if anyone's willing to try this, please do so and send us a picture tomorrow. Dip it in dip it in sour cream and eat it? Potato. I should try that tonight. I might try that. Is it black because it's getting the toxins out? Yes. Or is it black just because you're putting so much pressure on it and Maybe. it's just rotting it? Maybe. I don't know. How about that? And, of course, <laughs> are you still a fan of fads? They were big 10 years ago. So here we go. Here are some things that were trending in 2013, and how do we feel about them in 2023? Honey Boo Boo was trending. How do you feel about that? I don't. I don't even. I don't, I'm not quite familiar with that Honey one. Honey Boo Boo, just Google it. Um, the song "What Does the Fox Say?" It was the top trending YouTube video that year. Twenty-two percent of people say they still love it. Uh, Vine it debuted in 2013 and was shut down in 2017. Fifty percent wish Vine. Yeah, Vine was, was bad. Adult onesies. That's the year they really became a thing. 33% still love them. 46% think they're dumb. Yeah. The Buffalo Bills, when they wear all red, it looks like a onesie. Yeah, they're too suffocating for me. Um, twerking. 55% of people now think it's lame. 19% think it's still cool in 2023. Were you a twerker? <laughs> I don't think I'm supposed to twerk. <laughs> Man, I don't think uh, that's for me. The word swag was trendy back in... Uh, uh, 2013. It's been around a lot longer than 10 years, but it got trendy in 2013. Only 16% say they'd still use that term, swag. Here's some more slang terms that were big in 2013. Do you still use any of these? Let's hear it. Meh. Uh, meh. Yeah. Cray cray. I, I say cray sometimes. Yeah, I never use that. That's cray. I never use that. Catfish. Uh, yeah. As Manti Teo. Yeah. Yep. Right? You yeah. watched that doc, yeah, that didn't was, you? Yeah. Did you watch it? No. Yet? no. What's it called again? I can't remember. Uh, yeah. no, I knew you wouldn't remember. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Uh, uh, using the word hashtag in a sentence was big back then, or hashtag fail. Uh, I don't use I don't nah, do I that. never did that either. No, I don't do and, that. And uh, this was big back in the day. 41% of people still say they like seeing videos of goats screaming like humans. You don't remember? Here's some audio. Yeah. Those are our. Those are our. Uh, those are nice individuals. Those are our sports cage fans right there. <laughs> Goats screaming like humans. A fad uh, ten years ago, and people still love those videos. Hopefully, this show isn't a fad. It's bigger and better than ever. From three until six, we'll be back with more of the sports cage after the four thirty news on six twenty CKRM. It was a crazy bronze medal game. The United States of America win it eight to seven. In overtime, a heartbreaker for the Swedes. The big game's coming up in, a, well, exactly one hour from now. Canada goes for gold at the World Junior Hockey Championship. They take on Czechia. Czechia beat Canada in the round robin. It was 5-2. to two. That was on Boxing Day. And uh, guaranteed to have a Regina Pat win gold tonight. Will it be Stanislav Svozl of Czechia or will it be Conor Bedard of Team Canada? Puck drop at 5.30.
CFL report with the color commentator for the BC Lions, Julio Caravano, with me here. Julio, the Lions releasing defensive back Luchez Purifoy yesterday. It was a little bit of a shock to Ryder fans because, I mean, from the outside looking in, it seemed as though the former Ryder played pretty steady last year. Was the release any sort of shock uh, for yourself? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I was surprised as well. Um, I think honestly, uh, one of the things that you know, I don't have to tell you guys. I mean, you, you, you've seen him up close and personal. Luchez is, you know, a very, very good football player, um, very versatile. But I think with the Lions is that I, I, I think he, you know, you know, he he came to the Lions. I think thinking he was going to be a Sam linebacker, mm. and I think with injuries and you know they had to move some people around. They moved him to free safety, and I don't know whether or not that was his probably his first choice. And with Manny Ramumba, uh, you know stepping in the way that he did at Sam, they probably feel that they could probably, you know, move forward with him. And, you know, he, he, they probably said, hey, listen, this is where we're going to go. And he probably said, listen, I don't want to I don't want to play safety. I feel like this is where I'm better suited. And that's probably where they came to an impasse. Do you think this could be a sign of potentially creating a bit of cap space for a new deal with Mr. Nathan Rourke? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure like everybody, uh, like like you, I am waiting to hear the shoe drop, right, on, on Nathan and what's going to happen to him, right? So, you know, the Lions, I think, you know, have put themselves in a position. you got to remember a couple of things now. You know, Brian Burnham is not back. Uh, Delvin Bro is not coming back. So that's a, there's, you know, I would probably guess in around $300,000 right there uh, in two players. You know, they could allocate some money towards Nathan. And I'm sure that the Lions uh, obviously have gone over this scenario, right? That they, Nathan is going to demand a lot more than the $90,000 that he got last year. You know, it's, that number is going to probably start with a five or a six. You know, they're going to have to make some concessions in certain spots. And that's just the nature of the beast, right? That's just the way the league is now. And, and Nathan has, you know, proven to this organization and to the league that he's worth that kind of money if he does decide to come back. And, you know, I'm sure they, they have a plan in place as far as, you know, what they can keep and what they can't. Do you have like a like a timetable yeah. in your mind, like maybe the beginning of free agency, or is it going to be before well, that? Yeah, I think it's before that. I think Nathan has made it very clear that uh, he did not want to put the Lions in a bad spot. You know, I know that he continues to have, a, I think, a few workouts. I, I would be shocked if he's not going to go down there and at least try. I don't know what kind of a guarantee he's going to get. I don't know if the guarantee is, you know, something that he has to have in order to leave because I know that playing is such a big part of what he wants. He wants an opportunity to play. But I just can't see him not wanting to scratch that itch, right? Like, and to, you know, try to make your mark. And Nathan is no different, right? He wants that opportunity, especially the way his, you know, opportunity the first time went went with the Giants. The fact that they didn't even pick up a ball uh, and throw it as a quarterback. He was used as a receiver, which really did not sit well with him. So um, I think he wants to prove not only to himself and, and maybe to the rest of the league that he can play the position. So I would fully anticipate that he is going to sign with an NFL team and at least try to go down there and, and make the roster. Well, we will be waiting. It's the CFL Report with the color commentator with the BC Lions, Julio Caravana. Welcome back to the Sports Cage Corner of 12th and Rose 936-6262 is the number to text. We've been talking CFL free agency. We've talked curling with Ben Hebert. Lots of topics we've addressed. The Hamlin situation in Buffalo and his great recovery and how the assistant trainer saved his life and what should be done for that trainer in terms of honoring him and all the medical personnel. So 
We can weigh in on lots of topics. Uh, our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, getting set for Canada against uh, the um, uh, Czechia squad for gold. One Regina Pat will have a World Junior Hockey Championship gold medal in his collection after tonight. Well, Bedard already has one, but we'll have another one for Connor or Stanislav Sfoza will win for Czechia. Let's head out and talk some hockey on the Western Pizza Hotline with the color commentator on the Oilers Radio Network. Bob Stoffer, officially Happy New Year to you, my friend. Yeah, Michael, absolutely. And I saw those two fine Regina Pat players in here, oh, would have been about a month ago uh, in Edmonton. And uh, Connor Bedard could have had eight or nine points that night, obviously. The Edmonton Oil Kings, are, they went for it last year and they cashed in their chips and they're in a rebuilding year. And he's a spectacular, special uh, player, to say the least. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I watched two uh, players get traded to the Windsor Spitfires yesterday for 11 draft picks among two players, and they are not named Connor Bedard. So I shudder to think if the Pats did get a chance to work out a trade, although they say he doesn't want to be traded. So, uh, And, hey, I don't want him to be traded. I love him here. I'm just talking. I, I wonder what what you could get for Connor Bedard. I, I'll never forget. I was watching, uh, you know, as you know, at one time um, – Atlanta Braves baseball through Turner Broadcasting mm-hmm. Systems was they had a national brand and I was a big Dale Murphy fan. He was I met him. Uh, he came into town for a I am not Mormon, but he came into town for a Latter Day Saints convention and he had more class than any athlete I've ever met in my life. Which is a, a really nice, engaging man, and he was a tremendous uh, you know two time uh, National League MVP. Now probably should be in the Hall of Fame and. He was obviously a guy that was uh, not juicing at that time as well. So I was a bit of a Braves fan, as a, and I remember watching uh, uh, the broadcast for the Braves when Eric Lindros trade, uh, when the ruling came in. And uh, I think it was Pete Van Horn was doing the game, uh, and he was talking about the fact, well, this trade's just going to come across, and uh, the league has officially ruled in favor of uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. So uh, the trade is uh, Peter Forsberg, uh, number one, uh, Kerry Hoffman, uh, uh, Ron Hextall, uh, Cash, and two other things. And the color guy goes, I don't know a thing about baseball or about hockey, but let me tell you, this Lindros guy must be pretty good if that's a package that he gave up. So <laughs> it just made me laugh. He's like, I don't know a thing about hockey, but this Lindros guy must be something. And he was. It just turned out that Peter Forsberg was and, and let's face it, the, most of the players that played against Lindros from, you know, 1992, uh, 93 in the NHL until uh, about 2000 would tell you, certainly for the first four or five of those years, he was the best player in the league. Hey, so I want to get your opinion on this. What are we doing here with Germany and Latvia and Austria? Uh, like, I, I, I'd rather, I'm not joking here. I would rather put the Winnipeg Ice or the Seattle Thunderbirds in this tournament, and they would look a hell of a lot better than that when I'm watching. You know, um, that used to happen. Uh, I know that uh, Kevin Lowe's uncle represented Canada and Sweden, beat them 16-3 to once in a game of the World Juniors because they couldn't stand a penalty box. Uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. You just got to watch these. I mean, you can make the same argument with women's hockey, too. I think you just got to have some patience and hope that these other uh, countries can grow and develop their programs. I think that's the best-case scenario. Okay, so Bob Stoffer, speaking of patience, I am wearing thin in my patience for the Edmonton Oilers. I will tell you what. Uh, how... 
can this team play Dallas really well, going to Calgary and play a pretty buttoned-up game? By the way, listen to your call. It was real good on that uh, Calgary game. And then lose to the likes of Anaheim, Van... Like, what? They've lost five straight at home and had two goal leads in three of those games. Like, consistency. Do they even know what that word means? Well, you just said it. Uh, Road home. They're a different team. They play... Uh, a much more straight line, effective, simple game on the road. Uh, and at home, I mean, for a team that was supposed to be a top eight team this year, take that step. They've been 12th, 11th, and 11th the last three years. You know, and they, they went to the third round of the playoffs, went to the conference. You're on TV every second night. That's a big deal in the NHL. Uh, there hasn't been the progressive step. And what's undermined them has been their play at home right from the start of the season. Um, I, you know, I, I got to tell you, at the start of the year, you could say it's Jack Campbell, but over the last 20 games, because Stuart Skinner started the majority of those games, it's been their 23- and 24-year-old skaters. And that happens sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a player's trajectory is not always upwards. And I think the big things were being counted on. Yes, the He scored 15 goals last year. It's plus 22. He's got three goals this season. He's minus 12. Uh, yet Yamamoto had 20 goals last year. He's got two goals halfway through the year. Uh, Ryan McLeod, you know, can he become a 15-goal, 40-point guy this season? Well, he's got three goals and hasn't scored in 20. Those guys are 24, 24, and 23 years of age. And and then Bouchard on defense really misses uh, the stabilizing influence and perhaps a bit of the in-the-face attitude that Duncan Keith had with Evan. And it, it concerns me a bit uh, that, you know, certainly in the case of Pugliarvi Yamamoto, first-round picks for the Oilers. McLeod, a second-round pick. Bouchard, a first-round pick. Those 23- and 24-year-old guys, I think everybody was hoping for more from them. And uh, that's part of, you know, part of what hasn't worked out well. And I think, Michael, to, I, you know, I have Louis DeBrusque on the show every week, and his son Jake had a tough 24-year-old year in the, in the uh, you know, Floss and scored four goals in that uh, 56-game season or five goals that year. Mm-hmm. It happens once in a while, but unfortunately it's happened all at once. And that's played a factor. Like, you can argue their defense isn't good enough. I'd agree. And you'd say, why are you comp- complaining about goal scoring when the team's third in the league in goals four? But the problem is it's not consistent throughout their lineup. So they got to get more juice out of that next wave of players. Yeah. I'm going to go real off the beat map path with you here. Like, Lionel Messi in Argentina. Lionel was always a great player, but needed more support from the guys underneath him. And, and there came a point, I'm told, where he just looked at the guys on the team Last year, when they were playing in the Copa down in the, uh, you know, uh, down in South America, just said, "Look, you guys are good players too. Go be good players." Do you think? Do you think McDavid has that in him to say that to his team? Oh, I think that. Well, they had a, you know, they had a players' meeting. I think that uh, they miss uh, Duncan Keith a little bit. And Mike Smith, who was a fiery leader and who eased the workload on their defense. Man. Well, that's what I wanted to bring up. I'm glad you brought that up because I remember you saying last year when we were talking about the goaltending, you you referenced his save percentage, you referenced that fiery play, and I've noticed that too because you're the guy that said, careful what you wish for. They can't yeah. move the puck out of their zone as good with the goalie. Like it, it does put a little bit of stress on the D. Well, if you, like, Michael, I'm telling you right now, your listeners might think I'm crazy because everybody probably thinks the others need to shut down defenseman, a guy that can stop and cycle. I bet you the top players would tell you they need a better puck mover on the back end instead of a guy that's a shutdown guy. Like, I just, it's, you know, in the last two seasons, like, the Oilers were taking on water each of the last two years, and part of what turned it around was Mike Smith really got his game going. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if Jack, that's going to happen with Jack Campbell, but Mike Smith's puck handling abilities certainly played a significant factor in where teams, like right now, off dumping pucks on the Oilers, and their defense is under duress. And then they got a couple defensemen that can, like, Nima Linen can stop a cycle, but his puck skills just aren't there yet. So this is going to be an intriguing situation to watch here and how Ken Holland uh, works uh, as we close in on the trade deadline. Does this team make the playoffs? I can't believe I'm yep. saying that. Yeah, but you know what? You're fully justified in asking the question. They've been a disappointment to this point this year. The players will be the first to tell you that. I'm going to stand by my prediction at the start of the year. They'll finish with 47 and 52 wins. And I said that last year, too, and halfway point through the season, everybody said I was crazy. I, they're gonna, they'll get better as the season goes on, but they've got to dig in a bit here right now. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Let's talk a bit of positivity here as it relates to the Edmonton Oilers. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a top 10 scorer, and that's not a fluke. He is, uh, he is playing his best hockey. Yeah, he's, uh, we'll take a look at where he's in the lineup tonight. Could be interesting for some people to keep an eye on, but uh, he's had a great year. This is a guy that's committed to Edmonton, obviously. I think a lot of fans want to see him retire in Edmonton, but there's no question he's elevated the level of his performance. That's in one of the big, I mean, he's got 19 goals this year. He only had 11 and 63 games last year. One of the big things for him, though, is just shooting the puck on the power play. I think he's got seven power play goals last year. He only had one. And it's manifested into some more offense five on five. Hey, and lastly, man, I like that Costin kid. That's nice. That's a nice. That's a nice addition. Well, yeah, he might be playing on a nice position tonight's game too. <laughs> okay, that's all I'm say. I can't wait to see what's going to take place. I love this guy, man. Not only here, but on uh, my son and I are going to be watching you tonight in the intermissions too. We love. We're like, that's Bob Stoffer. That's our guy. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate. It. I'm just the guy, Michael. You're Thanks just for your time. Matthew. Take care, man. Bye. I'm just the guy. Bye. Bob Stoffer joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment here on 6:20 CKRM. All right, Ben Hebert. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Happy New Year, Ballsy. What's shaking? Good holiday for you. Did you have a good rest? Yeah, it wasn't bad. I actually got back to Regina for about uh, five days. Only got only got the flu for two of them. Checked into the Atlas Hotel because my wife didn't want me around her and the kids when I was hacking up and puking. So I uh, went to a hotel and laid in bed for two days. But other than that, it was a good little holiday. That's good. You get the remote control by yourself. That's good. Nobody right. I got to watch, watch some World Juniors and some football, and it was not too bad. All right, let's get to that for uh, a second. The World Juniors. I know you're a fan of all sports, and you're a fan of great athletes. You respect the time and effort they put into it. How about that 17-year-old phenom, Connor Bedard? I think we forget he's 17. Dude, just a few months ago, took his mom's RAV4 to get his license. That's how young this guy is. Yeah, he, he's incredible. I um, I went to a Pats game in November when I was home uh, for the Canadian Bowl to watch my brother-in-law there on the Thunder and uh, got to take my little guy to a Pats game and watch him for the first time live. I think he had four goals, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of coasting, like hardly looks like he's trying, looks bored, he's so good. And then I was like, you know, I'm interested to see what he looks like against all the top players and all the best guys, and he's still the best guy. So... Uh, you know, he's wildly impressive. I would say the last night's game was the first time I saw a good full team effort out of Canada. Outside of last night's game against the Americans, I thought it's pretty much been the Bedard show that every time he got the puck or he was on the ice, it was almost like a McDavid factor. Like, okay, we have a chance to score. He's going to make something happen, make a good pass, you know, twist one, wrist one, top shelf. But uh, he's incredible. Obviously, uh, you know, I got to meet his mom actually at the Pats game. Mm. She knows my dad, so I met her and 
Uh, uh, side note: Her and her family are big curling fans, so that was beautiful to know that they uh, they recognize <laughs> they recognize talent when they see it too. But uh, no, that was great. But no, I'm a big fan of his. I think uh, I don't think he's going to be a you know a one-off superstar or, or a one one-year wonder in the NHL. I think that kid's in for a 20-year haul of absolute greatness. You don't see guys like him come along very often, and he's super fun to watch. And I'll be dialed into the gold medal game tonight. He just might, if he's lucky, make Ben Hebert money, right? Oh well, if he does that, yeah, he'll be living in your basement. But uh, <laughs> I think I think he's got a chance to just surpass me, maybe in his first two years. Yeah, pro- <laughs> pro- probably. Ben, let you talked about uh, his parents or his mom being or his family being curling fans. There are three sports that I think uh, should be worried about their future in terms of fan interest: the CFL, Major League Baseball, the average Major League Baseball fans, uh, mid upper fifties like me, and I think curling, too. Are you concerned about the future of your sport in terms of interest and or participation? Uh, I mean, I think always you're, yeah, I mean, I think the short answer is yes. You know, I think if you look at the world today of fast pace and social media and impatience and everybody, you know, looking for the next best thing, yeah, I mean, maybe curling doesn't uh, jump to the top of the the top of the list. But as an active player in it, I mean, and, and I go to these junior you know, um, leagues here in Calgary, as you know, my daughter curls on uh, Monday and Fridays. Mm-hmm. Uh, they curl on Sundays in the junior leagues. I help out and coach the actual, the actual participation from a recreation level and a junior level is quite good. You know, the leagues are full. There's a lot of kids that are keen. I think the Olympics has driven that. And, you know, the ones that want to really try hard to get there, you know, they see a, they see a path to greatness or to television, to the Scotties or to the Briar. Um, but as far as in-house entertainment and, and seats in the stands, you know, we're not selling out, the Saddle Dome or Rogers Place anymore like we used to when I first started playing. But I think a lot of that goes towards convenience. Uh, and that's obviously if you look at money these days with how much everything costs, inflation, and that's not an excuse. I think that's a reality for a lot of families that we need to look at. But to go to a rider game, you know, I used to be able to go to the university section at Taylor Field and pay, what, 11 bucks, 12 bucks to get in there? Like, yeah, I can't go to a Stamps game here in Calgary you know, for under 50 bucks for a ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, it's expensive, and you think you have to look at that, but but I do think the biggest thing that we forget to talk about is curling is such a great television sport. It is. And I think also the CFL is a great television sport. I think TSN does a really, really good job of uh, uh, showcasing both sports and both games that there's a lot of times that I'd be sitting here in Calgary and Regina, I could sit at home, have a beer, make some nachos, watch the game, kick my feet up. And if it's not nice weather out, I'd rather that because the broadcast is so, so good. So if you take into consideration the amount of people that are watching our sport on TV, plus the people in the seats. No, I don't think either one of them is hurting at all. I think a lot of corporate dollars and and TV revenues are going to come in on that. But, yeah, would you like to be selling out every single game in the stadiums and going crazy? I think you would. Uh, But that's just kind of a different time. Uh, We live in a different time than that right now. But, of course, we want the sports fans to get younger, short and sweet. Yes. Yeah. So, Ben Hebert, you, you touched on something very interesting. In terms of team sport, it's the one sport where coaching is very limited. You don't have an offensive coordinator or a D coordinator screwing things up, uh, you know, like hockey coaches or managers. Uh, you, uh, you know, your coach, you might see that coach, uh, coach once a game. Like, it is really an athlete-controlled sport. Yeah, I mean, you got a lot of accountability on the players. I don't think, uh, I don't think I've ever had a coach that I would say was the reason we won and the, or, or the reason we lost. You know, I think that's... Uh, when you see the top teams today, a lot of the times, you know, you don't even live in the same city, so it's a lot of accountability on 
practicing on your own, making sure you're doing the right things, implementing the drills the coach wants or your other teammate wants. And, uh, you know, in a team sport with only four guys, and like you say, one coach, there's not a lot of finger pointing to go around. If you start pointing the finger, it can come back at you really quick. It's not a not a 30-person or a 50-person roster like, uh, you know, NHL or, or CFL or NFL. So, no, it's a, it's a pretty accountable sport, but that's why I like it. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty crystal clear if you're playing good or if you're playing not. It's, uh, it's not a sport that you can hide, that's for sure. But uh, And I've taken the good and bad of that. I've, I've had weeks and years of greatness and other ones that I've been trashed. So uh, I'm good with both of them. But hopefully hopefully more weeks of greatness. Yeah, and speaking of that, how's the team uh, gelling right now, the Botcher team? Yeah, Team Botcher, we've, uh, we've been on the upslope here. We've, uh, we're 15-3 and three our last 18 games. Uh, we've been dominant in the round robins in, the, in, uh, in our last three events. We've been undefeated in our last three. We've lost a couple semifinals and a quarter. So just got to get over that playoff hump and keep playing well. But, uh, you know, our last spiel, we were number one seed heading into the playoffs. We were undefeated. You know, we knocked out uh, Team Adin. They're the number one team in the world. Then we knocked out Team Gushu. They're the number two team in the world. And then we ended up losing in the semifinal to Italy. But, no, we've been playing great. Guys are working hard. I love uh, really, really enjoying playing with Brendan and Brett, the two young guys kind of making me feel young and uh you know get those butterflies back and and that hard work ethic back to kind of get to the top of the mountain and playing with mark kennedy again my old teammate for 12 years has been a treat so i think there's going to be some real good things on this side of the new year in 2023 for our team so uh, ben lastly you know what an unbelievable athlete i was and continue to be like twisted steel and fading sex appeal i have not <laughs> been on a curling sheet since probably the early 2000s when i drove to moose jaw through the through the stone for a, a media kickoff event, one stone welded it right on the button. Like you couldn't have walked it down any better. Dropped my broom, walked out of the rink, went into my vehicle and drove home. <laughs> T- tomorrow, tomorrow, I am taking part with my son on a team for a Saints and Sinners event at the Cali. Do you have any tips for me? Well, I, I do love your story about fluking a draw to the button because I will say, no matter who I've taken out, any athlete whether it be the Flames, the Oilers, a couple guys off the Stamps, every time we finish with an hour, one, they love it. They're like, oh, man, this is a great sport. Two, the next day I get a message saying, I can't believe how sore I am from sweeping. Oh, my God, I thought curling was was weak and for softies and yada, yada. So you always get a little more respect to the the athletes like you. You know, you twisted steel, you know, you're cut like a diamond. But I promise (laughs) you to get out there and you – and you sweep properly, you know, you're going to have a little little sore hammies tomorrow, maybe the quad, maybe your left glute from sliding, and maybe those shoulder blades from scrubbing. And if your shoulder blades aren't sore, that means you're not, you're not doing it hard enough. So I wish you all the best. Try not to fall. And the only key tip I give rookies like you, put your slider on the throw, and when you go to sweep, Take the damn slider off and go with your two running shoes. That's the way to success right there. All right, I'll remember that tip from one of the greatest curlers of all time, Ben Hebert. Thanks for your time, my friend. Okay, Ballsy, take it easy. That's Ben Hebert. Thanks to him for joining us today. All right, so World Juniors, Sweden loses to the USA 8-7 in overtime. And so the United States wins hockey bronze at the World Juniors. Tonight, it's going to be Canada versus Czechia. Pats could really use either Sfosel or Bedard. They're playing against each other in that game. They're coming off a 6-2 loss in Brandon. They play the Seattle Thunderbirds here tomorrow night at the Brandt Center. The T-Birds come in 27-4-1, so not exactly a free space in the bingo card. Avalanche of the Canucks, they're battling the Oilers for a wild card spot. Islanders are in Edmonton. We just had Bob Stoffer on the show, color commentator for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, 
Oilers have lost five straight on home ice. Rangers are at the Habs. The uh, Red Sox have all but assured that third baseman Rafael Devers will be uh, their uh, latest homegrown star to stay and not change uniforms. He is about to sign an 11-year, $331 million contract extension. You're a big Blue Jays fan. I'm a Padres fan. Padres have done some good things. Lost a couple guys, but did some good things in the offseason. Jays haven't really done much. Yeah, they brought in a couple arms, and then they traded Loris Kiermaier Gurriel center Jr. Too. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't understand the Guriel Jr. trade quite yet. What did they uh, get for him again? Uh, some scrubs. Yeah, they picked up some 25-year-old pitcher named Fernandez today from the Yankees. So they've kind of been bargain bin shopping. Uh, I'm be- not, it's not, I'm not too excited about it to be honest. Maybe a rash can change my mind. Yeah, we'll have, Next him on, week. have him on Tuesday. We talked NFL with him. Speaking of the NFL, uh, Albert uh, Breer, great reporter, is saying that Denny Kellington, the team's assistant athletic trainer, is the key guy. He's the hero, they're saying. He's the guy administering CPR to DeMar Hamlin on Monday on that field, Paycor Field in Cincinnati. And it was absolutely vital to his continuation of life. And, man, as he responded dramatically mm-hmm. here, he's – holding people's hands, he's awake, he's writing down messages, asked who won the game. Got Josh Allen here talking yeah. about it okay, today. Yeah. Do you want to yeah, hear it before yeah, the news yeah, quick? Sure. Let's hear this, Josh Allen. In that situation until it happens. Um, I want to thank our, I know Coach mentioned it earlier, but our training staff for going out there, not knowing what's going on, but going through a checklist, working as a, a single-cell symbiote, like saving his life. You know, and is being on that field. It, <clears throat> you, know, you 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 lose sleep. You hurt for your brother. Um, a lot of shared grief, but to the question before, getting updates and positive updates eases so much of that that pain and that tension that you feel. But coach handled it as as perfect as anybody could. Yeah, great job and and nice words from Josh Allen, the leader of that team. And I'll tell you what, his uh, quivering of his voice just tells you, these guys reminds you they're not robots. And uh, thank God Hamlin looks like he's on his way to recovery. We'll have more of the sports cage after the 5 o'clock news on 620 CKRM. People racing home, and if you're racing home, be uh, safe. It is slippery out there, but you want to get home to watch the World Junior Hockey Championship between Canada and and Checky, I know our news director, Andrew Dawson, has been wearing his Team Canada jersey, which looks nice on him. The ones they wear in the game, if they're the ugly white ones, are like, who did it? That's an awful jersey. Awful. Awful. Anyway, hopefully their performance isn't awful. I smell a big performance from Connor Bedard. Either way, a Regina Pat will be a gold medalist tonight. It'll either be Connor Bedard or Stanislav Sposol. Uh, this is the Sports Cage, and it's time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, get it hot, get it fast from our good friends at Western Pizza, and I'm joined by our betting expert, Andy McNamara. I don't know. I had Buffalo-Cincinnati game on a parlay with a bunch of hockey games, and obviously I won the hockey games. It would have been a much bigger prize had Buffalo come up with a victory. It was 7-3 when they canceled the game. They're not playing it again. I like it. Uh, and I don't care that I'm out some money. I got my hockey parlay right. They they cashed me in there. But um, did that thing kind of put a damper on everything, including the betting world, like in terms of activity? I'm, I'm wondering that. 
Well, first, Baldy, Happy New Year, brother. Yeah, Great to you too, man. You. You're, you're killing it. I love the new additions to the show. I've been tracking it all on social media. Very pumped for you, for the listeners and all that. So this is very, very exciting. Um, for the game itself, it kind of did. Like, it let, it let the air out. And the one great thing I feel, though, is coming out of this, Baldy, the one word that keeps jumping to mind to me is unity. I honestly, I, and I was maybe, you know, I'm missing an event. But I can't remember the sports world coming together more since 9-11 around uh, DeMar Hamlin. Like, and it's so great that he's gradually getting better and progressing. But you're right. It certainly did um, take, and, I, and rightfully so, put any focus from any positivities in the betting world, fantasy, fantasy football championships, uh, off of that and onto the player. Yeah, I wonder, I haven't looked at the odds. Are they even posting odds for the Buffalo-New England game? Because that's a big game for New England. They win, and uh, they're in the playoffs. But I'm just, you know, with the, with the whole Buffalo and uncertainty, I don't know if betters or the, the books want to touch that. They are. They are. DraftKings Sportsbook has Buffalo as a touchdown favorite, Bengals as well as a seven-point favorite over the Ravens. So um, they are. Both teams are going to play. Uh, looks like their game, which... Balls, I don't know about you, but I, I personally thought the NFL would screw this up. I really did. <laughs> I really did. I would say if I could have bet that the NFL was going to go the money route uh, over the right thing to do human-wise, boy, I would have put pretty much everything on that. But uh, I think pressure from the NFLPA and, and everything, they, they're not going to replay the game, or, or it doesn't seem. And yeah. that's, that's kind of it, which is, which is very interesting. Because like, during the COVID time, remember, it was like, you, everybody could get COVID. It's like, and you're playing that damn game whether you like it or not. It's a good uh, point. It's a good point. Yeah, there was a, there was a right? over a whole mass of people. There was a better chance yeah. of something happening as opposed to this. I think though, how do I put this? You can't really see. You weren't seeing people die of COVID. You were hearing it. You actually saw a guy on Monday Night Football almost die. So I think it really hit home, and it was something the NFL had to do. So let's get to some of the games because we do, uh, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers for Hamlin that he continues to have a great story and great on Kennington, the assistant athletic trainer, Denny Kennington, for uh, saving his life basically with CPR. That's the real hero. We talk about sudden death heroes and use the terminology hero. He's the the real hero but let's talk about some of these games do you like uh do you like the Patriots to win New England gets lucky because Tua has been hurt and had a concussion here so much down the back stretch I am going to take the the human emotions at the intangible to your balls I usually don't like doing that but man is there any team more motivated the old win one for the Gipper than mm. the Buffalo Bills win one for DeMar he will first thing he said when he woke up who won the game yeah, That team is going to be so freaking inspired by that player. Um, I'm, and you know what? Maybe it's, I'm putting too much into the emotion nope. of it, but Mike, Mike Gutt's telling me this. I think the Bills, in a rarity, I think they win by a touchdown or more. I will take the minus 110 on the DraftKings Sportsbook, and I'll take Buffalo over New England. I just think the emotion that we saw, we physically saw it. I think they're going to utilize it. And and make a statement and win one for you know, win one for the Gipper. I agree, and because they're only playing sixteen games, it's even bigger for them because they're going to probably based on winning percentage. So you're right, Buffalo's going to win, and they're going to win big. How about 
How about the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens? I don't know what's happening with Baltimore's quarterbacking. We haven't known for like the last three weeks. Uh, and I just think Cincinnati, man, I said about five weeks ago, they're going to be a threat in the AFC and they've done nothing to disprove me. Yeah, I think the Bengals are red hot. People talking about the Chiefs, the Bills, you have to include the Bengals right in there. This was reported 55 minutes ago. Lamar Jackson still with his knee remains sidelined. That's what you get with a pure mobile quarterback with underwhelming arm talent. I've been saying since day one that this is going to be the story of Lamar Jackson as his career progresses, and it's true. He's not going to play this week. And they're saying he might be doubtful for the wild card. So this is how bad their situation is. They're, they're going, uh, again, with, like, Tyler Huntley. This guy, he, he flashed last year. Not this year. Teams have got him figured out. But the Ravens, to their credit, much to my dismay, keep winning um, outside of losing two out of their last three. But overall, are in games based on defense and just running the ball. They want to win ugly. They want to win low-scoring games. And since Lamar has been out, that's what it's been. So the money I want to take is the under – I think 40 and a half because the Bengals, I feel are going to win this game just based on the better quarterback, but the Ravens grind you down. So I take the under 40 and a half. um, And you know what? I might take the Ravens to cover that seven, just because they do play so close. They got the the Justin Tucker with the field goals and everything. So I think Bengals to win, take the under and uh, Ravens to cover. I don't even know who the uh, Tennessee Titans are starting at quarterback Saturday against the Jags. I don't think it matters. Jaguars are going to beat them. Oh my, yes. Josh, this is how little they think of Malik Willis. I hated that Malik Willis draft pick to the Titans. Was there a more mismatched team to draft the type of quarterback that he is? He's a smaller uh, Lamar Jackson. He's a less talented Lamar Jackson. The, The throwing is super inaccurate. And he's not as fast. And you put him on a team that's defensive-minded who just runs the ball with big old Derrick Henry. So they better run the ball. And they better run it a lot. And guess what? The Jags know this. And you talk about the underdog story. What a what a role for Doug Peterson. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who had to come in, deprogram, and get the stink off of Trevor Lawrence. Did it. <laughs> not, just, not just fixed him up at the end of the year. Oh, we'll see you next year. No, no. Deprogrammed him, fixed him up, and now has him balling out and the Jaguars with a chance to make the playoffs. They're going to play Josh Dobbs, Baldy. That's why they. That's what little they think of Malik Willis. I know Josh Dobbs because he played with the Browns in the preseason and was on the was their backup QB. Good guy, very smart. They're not doing anything with it. So Jaguars six and a half, even though it's a division game, and the, the Titans are going to try to use I think that same mentality we talked about with the Ravens: run, time management, ball control. But the defense is getting a little healthier. They're still banged up. I'll take the Jags with that six-and-a-half spread. These are the quarterbacks I wouldn't take a phone call on. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen. Five quarterbacks I wouldn't take a phone call on. Everybody else, I'd probably entertain a phone call, even Aaron Rodgers in his age. But but Trevor Lawrence has ascended to that level, of course, uh, given his uh, his youth and his status as a top draft pick. Okay, and then the one we want to talk about here in the sports cage, the Detroit Lions against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Packers win and they're in. Will the Packers win? How do you see that game going? Who thought the two main events going into the last week of the season and, and must-see TV would be Titans, Jags, Lions, Packers? If we said that at the beginning of the year, you'd think, watch what's happening. These are the two main events that are going to be good. Lions are so fun because they're so wild. They're so unpredictable. They can score 50 points. They can score 10 points. They can give up 50 points. 
they can give up 10 points. The Packers, <laughs> it's bizarre. Now, here's, here's the, what I think the turning point of the Packers season was. Because they were they stunned. They were going Aaron Rodgers. And, and for what, two, three years, we thought, is Aaron Rodgers going to host Jeopardy? Is he going to be, what's his, he was so aloof and weird. But what he said was this, when people were saying, oh, Jordan Love might start. He said, I want to play as long as we're in it. And I think that little line mm-hmm. said to everybody, in a rare moment where the Packers and Rodgers were underdogs, they've never been underdogs, because Aaron Rodgers, they're underdogs. That team, I think, rallied behind it. So at four and a half, I want the Lions to win, because damn it, they, they deserve it. They're as sad as as franchise as anybody. But I think the Packers and Lambeau are going to pull it out. Um, that four and a half is really telling, though. That means Vegas is thinking the Lions got a real shot here. So I think the Packers do win. But you know what? If you got an extra 20 bucks laying around, I wouldn't mind putting on the Lions that pays out plus 190 on that DK Sportsbook. Where can they get your uh, fantasy football tips and everything like that? Where can they find you? You got me tomorrow. I got a big show, a sick podcast with Andy McNamara on Twitter at AndyMC81. We got the YouTube channel as well. We got merch there. We're giving away jerseys. We got a whole – oh, trophies. Hey, let me tell you this real quick, guys. Fantasy football or you want a trophy for anything, trophysmack.com slash Andy McNamara. You get a trophy. Uh, you buy a trophy or championship belt. You get a free championship ring with it. Those guys were just were bought by Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. Those are my guys. So check them out and check out the sick podcast with Andy McNamara tomorrow. Thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. It's always fun. Absolutely. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Take care. That's Andy McNamara, our great betting expert. More than just the numbers there. Adds a little humor. When we come back, our profiles feature. Who's in the spotlight from your riders? You got to tune in to find out. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right. So, Busy B will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out catch the buzz busy b doors the garage door specialists welcome back to the sports cage time to head out in the western pizza hotline you heard the big voice al murdoch big al's we like to call him around here all right yeah read the profiles feature and yeah big aj allen joining us how are you aj I'm good. How you doing, man? Awesome, man number 32 in the program number one in your hearts um 32 is that just a number they gave you that's kind of a weird linebacker number yeah it's um so i wanted to go with number 52 uh it has a lot of importance to me personally i worked all throughout university um but as we know our friend nigel harris has it and he wasn't gonna give it up so i went with the next closest i could find 32 you mean you don't have that rich rich cfl money where you could bribe them with like some uh, maybe some uh, western pizza gift certificates or something like that no i was i wanted to i wanted to really offer him a trip and experience around Saskatchewan you know what i'm saying but he just wasn't buying it he just wasn't buying it yeah. uh he didn't want to budge on it so <laughs> hey uh so uh why is that why is that other number significant to you um so, um, long story short, my roommate in my first year passed away. His name okay. was Kyle Coleman. Okay. He died on December 10th. Um, now, number 10 is a weird number to have a linebacker, but number two is not. So, five times two is 10, and mm. that's, that's how we that's how we got it. Actually, though, uh, Enoch Mwamba wears number 10, does he not? He and I think does. he ended up being the uh, MVP and the most outstanding Canadian mm-hmm. in the Grey Cup. When you see something like that happen, AJ, how much does that fuel your fire to one day? Maybe that could be me, a Canadian winning all the marbles. Oh, it drives me. I mean, I had that drive even before. I mean, I'm sure you knew that, too, because, yeah. you know, I want, I, want, I want to be great and all that stuff. But, no, seeing that it's, that it's, that it's done, all, all of us, we know that it's possible. 
and that's all I needed. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's all, all, all I needed was the door to be open. Mm-hmm. So to see that happen, absolutely amazing. Proud of him. You know what I'm saying? Great job for him, and he played great in that game, and he played great all season, honestly. Um, yeah, just at the stage, you know what I'm saying? It's just, mm-hmm. When it's my turn, it's my turn. i got to take the opportunity to run with it. Who, who mentors you? Who, who have you looked up to as a player uh, in the league right now? As a player in the league right now, I mean, most of my teammates, man. Mostly Larry Dean. That guy is a yeah. Hall of Famer, and I look up to him in every sense of the word. The way he goes about this job and, and profession is, uh, is second to none. His preparation, his, uh, his work ethic. That guy played, I, I want to say, more than 9,900 snaps this season. I'm talking specials and defense. And you didn't see him miss a single game. So what piece, of, what, game. what piece of advice has he given you uh, in terms of that you'll take with yourself going forward? It's not really he's not he's not the guy that really talks to you like that. I mean he will, but um it's more he's more of a watch. You know, he's one of those one of those leaders that you watch and, and see how he goes about his business and goes about his daily job. Um so the thing that's 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 good to carry with me is his preparation. Is his preparation for sure, how he goes about watching the game and and, and learning his opponents and preparing his body and preparing his mind. Those are the things that I'm gonna take with me and, and run with me because He's been able to have this amazing, luxurious career uh, for as long as he has because of these these stats that he, these uh, these habits that he's built, um, those small consistency things to help people be great or whatever it is. Whether it be you know you are a musician, you got to be consistent, you got to practice your craft. Same same thing here. Yeah. He's uh, he's mastered in that sense, and and that's the, that's you know watching him work every day is, is what's give, it's what's going to carry with me. I think. Former uh, Guelph Griffin, A.J. Allen, joining us here. Ryder draft pick from a couple of drafts ago. Uh, so I, I believe, if I'm correct, you you blocked two punts this year. So, A.J. Allen, is it better to block a punt, or or would you rather have a, a blindside quarterback sack that forces a fumble? Oh, I'm going to go with... I'm going with the quarterback sack. Yeah? Got, definitely, got, definitely got to. I mean, both are absolutely rewarding. But um, I think I have a better chance of picking one up and scoring it if I if I got the quarterback. <laughs> hey, but I nothing. Pick, hey, I, but nothing changes. Yeah, nothing changes the game, AJ. Like a block punt in the game of football. That is a that is a momentum changing play. That is that really is, and that's why we practice all the time. And I was in a beautiful position to be in to be in a be in the right spot at the right time. Yeah. Um, changes the game. It can change the game for sure. Yeah. That being said, though. You lick your chops when you see the quarterback and he's not looking at you. Mm-hmm. Lick him. Yeah. Hey, and he's I... holding the ball up there above his shoulder. Yeah. Oh, give me that. <laughs> I can't remember, AJ, if you were dressed, uh, forgive me, uh, for that game in Winnipeg, the flu game, when everybody's getting COVID. Oh. Were you dressed God. and were you sick? My God. You have, Mike, you have no idea, man. So, <laughs> me and, uh, I mean, a bunch of other teammates, obviously, but right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you my experience. Yeah. Um, I, I caught it. And from 12 o'clock to 6 a.m., I didn't sleep. I was constantly having flu-like symptoms. Um, and then I got a little nap in from 10 a.m. to 12. Mm-hmm. Bus left at 1, and I played. That was the worst I've ever felt playing a football game in my life. Wow. The that... worst. But I saw the numbers dwindling and dwindling. I said, I can't leave these guys out here to dry. I can't do it. I can't do it. How about uh, how about how about was it Blaze Brown that got he got picked up by the team president along with another player had two 
breakfast sandwiches, showed up late for the game, threw on his equipment, and was playing. That's crazy. Yeah, that was that was insane too. Because like again, I was uh I was on that plane to start, yeah. and I didn't see him there. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, you know, just normal. And then all of a sudden, when I come out from halftime, because a, a lot of us got IV yeah. at halftime to try to try to survive, I saw him there. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Wait a second. He wasn't here when I start, when I came out here to start. Yeah. Um, no, he he made the drive absolutely insane, and then he went out there and played a good game. He did you know, play a good game. Yeah, he did play a good game. Hey, uh, AJ. So uh, this is a uh, you know a time for New Year's resolutions. Give me yeah. one football resolution for AJ Allen going into the twenty twenty three season. What do you want to do better or concentrate on? Huh. I want to concentrate on, first of all, not breaking my hand. Second of all, yeah. I want to concentrate on, um, I think I need to be in a little bit more football shape when the, when the season starts. Um, just being more conditioned. I mean, I'm, I'm a Canadian, so I know how the game goes. And I, you know, I know there's a lot of running and, and stuff like that. That's just something I need to get better at. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if I want to be, you know, a guy in Larry Stature playing that many snaps and not even getting tired, not even complaining about it. Mm. So um, if I want to be that guy, i got to be able to run longer. Man, I love talking to you. You're very charismatic, and you're a good Canadian football player what this league is built on. <laughs> Thanks for your time, man. We'll see you uh, in the springtime, but maybe we'll talk to you before that again. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. It's an absolute humbling experience. And, uh, yeah, man, happy New Year's. Yeah, you too, you know, man. Hope, hope you had a good time with your family and uh, – Happy New Year's to everybody watching, too. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate it. That is A.J. Allen joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline in our Profiles feature. When we come back, we'll hear from Glenn Suter, his Thursday edition of press coverage right here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, we're getting set to play some hockey. It's Canada versus Czechia in the gold medal game. I think I saw the countdown clock around five minutes till puck drop in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Earlier on this afternoon, uh, Team USA beat Sweden 8-7 to to claim the bronze, so we shall see who claims the gold. Puck drop in near moments. Time now for Pat Chat. The Regina Pats really missing the likes of Connor Bedard and Stanislav Sposal as they're getting set to play in the World Junior Hockey Championship gold medal game against each other. The Pats got bombed in Brandon last night. Riley Janelle and Zach Stringer were the only two to light the lamp for Regina in the loss to the Brandon Wheat Kings. Here's how it sounded with Dante DiCaria, followed by some postgame comments from Pats head coach and GM John Paddock. Back of the Wheat Kings net, here comes Luke Shipley at a Powell River, British Columbia. Right-handed shot, defenseman gains center. Dishes it off to the left side, Hammett. Center back in front, they score! Johnson! Will force the puck back into the hands of the Wheat Kings. Highland over the line. Now Anderson to the slot, dishes it across, Hammett shoots, he scores! Still stuck in skates, Riley Janelle with it behind the net. He'll go back up top, Corbin Vaughn. That point for Feist. Waiting for a shot opportunity. He'll turn and shoot. Deflected. Scores! Riley Janelle against his former team. And the Pats are back in it. They're down 2-1. to one. It's Nolan Ritchie. Midpoint Anderson. Back over to Ritchie. Top of the right circle. Now to Anderson to the midpoint. He shoots. Good block by Stringer. Ritchie side of the goal. Highland. Down low. Scores! The contest against the Saskatoon Blades on January 13th. And then they score in a batting goal. Sean Wilson for the right boards. 
Ritchie to center, now right side, Danielson over the blue line, along the near boards, into the slot, walking in, here's Highland to the net, he shoots, scores! Red Highland dishes it off to Chanson, he shoots, he scores for the right circle, off the post and in. Loose puck near the slot, stuck on Anderson, Suzelev gets it free, backhands it over to Howe, back to the line, slap shot by Brownstop, rebound, scores! Zach Stringer with his first of the season. Welcome to the post-game show. Back inside Westova Place, a 6-2 win for the Brandon Wheat Kings over the Regina Pats. Uh, John, not necessarily the performance that you were looking for out of your team, but what were your overall impressions of this hockey game from start to finish? Uh, we, we seem to be in a, a bit of a funk since Christmas. Um, not quite sure why. We've had a couple of good meetings and pointed things out to guys and had an extra strong skate. Um, they're, they're just not playing very good. You know, a small, it is, no, I was just going to say a small area, but it's a big area that it starts from after two periods. We were 33% on the face-offs. So when, you're never, when you never have the pot cute, it's really hard. And you have to get it back and check right to get it back. And so there's a lot of things not going right. Yeah, John, I wanted to touch on the face-offs because I've actually never had the opportunity to ask you about this, but the face-offs in this game were 39 for Brandon, 20, uh, 22 for your group. Uh, the team leader in face-off percentage on this team is Connor Bedard at around 52%. Is that something that you guys uh, are trying to address or something that you guys are working on uh, in practice throughout the week, and how important is it to, to have a good face-off percentage? I mean, you don't, if you don't have face-offs, you never start with the puck. Connor has been our best guy. Uh, Howie hasn't been too bad, but you know that's we don't we haven't really had a legitimate sort of second line center. When you're a second line center, you're usually adept at the faceoffs. Actually, Ty Ty Spencer has played every forward position for us this year very well, and Ty was actually in that BC trip. He's really good on faceoffs. So we're missing a couple of key guys on it, but it's a tough game to play if you don't have the puck. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Just before we get to Glenn Suter and press coverage, so the NFL committee is voting on what to do with the AFC playoffs. They're meeting right now. Uh, I thought they were just going to end up not, they're not playing that Buffalo uh, Bengals game again. So that's that's good. I don't think you could play that again unless it turns out to be an AFC championship game. Are they going to go percentage points now? Because they're only going to play 16 games instead mm-hmm. of the 17 games. You said you saw a couple of different scenarios. I saw, one, I saw one scenario where on a wild card weekend, it would be the Bengals taking on uh, the Bills yep. and the NFC wild card Game. s- uh, games. Okay. And then the week after that, the NFC would have a bye, and then the AFC, the AFC well, yeah. would play their uh, wild card games, and then and then things would be back to normal from there on out. Except there would only be one week between the conference championships and the Super Bowl. It's a big headache. There's a lot to, that makes any sense. It, yeah, the, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, and that's not a cut down to no. you. There's a lot to get through, and there's venues, and there's everything. Like when you have a juggernaut business, it's good and it's bad. Very interesting. But they worked through COVID and did everything, so I'm sure smarter people than me will find a way. Let us uh, get to this now. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. It's time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. 
Welcome back to the Sports Cage here on the Western Pizza Hotline now. We've got our friend Glenn Suter joining us. Suits Luches Purifoy. Relieved of his duties for the BC Lions. Now he's due a roster bonus in February of $30,000. But, uh, you know, there's some indication that it's more to do with the fact that he doesn't want to play safety anymore. He he came there as a Sam linebacker. So it uh, be very interesting to see how it goes forward with Luches Pirafoy. Uh, and the Lions could be clearing some room in case they have a chance to bring Nathan Rourke back. Yeah, you know, and I think they do have room if, if Rourke decides to to come back, I you know I think that's probably a long shot. I'm guessing there. That's not from inside information, but I I really think he'll get an opportunity in in the National Football League. So we'll we'll see. I you know I also wanted to mention right off the top, uh, Michael, if I could, uh, you know, great news on Demar Hamlin. Yep. Um, that's fantastic. And also go Canada, go man. They're <laughs> just dropping the puck now, but anyway, yeah, yeah. no, that's right. Uh, you know what? And, and, and Luches, you know, Luches will be one of those interesting guys because, you know, I, I don't have his age right in front 30, of me. 30, 30. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got, he's got two or three, I was going to say 29 or 30, but he's got two, three, maybe four good years. He's a versatile football player. I don't think he's the type that, you know, if you didn't play him in the right position, he's going to pout and, and be a problem in the locker room. I, I don't think that's the case. And he, he might be an interesting pickup for a team um, because he's, you know, he's very versatile. I mean, I, I think he's still got game in him. He's he's not over the hill yet. He's not on the wrong side at 30 yet. He's right at the cusp. So I think he's still got some football in him. And he can return kicks. The guy returns yeah. kicks and he's a defensive back. That is a that is quite a feat if you know if you know football. I, I think he'll end up in Edmonton with Jones. That's yeah, possibly. Possibly. You know, I again, you know, the free agency's coming around the corner and we can break that down over the next couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're 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 coming up around uh free agency where there's gonna be some Interesting movement, as there is with these one-year deals. I'm glad we're seeing less and less of them as we move forward. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think I think he'll find a home. I really do. I'm interested to look into this a little deeper. I had Rob Fry on the, the player agent, and he didn't think – he thought Hamilton wouldn't be affected by this. But I know in the CBA, if you go, let's say, Bo Levi Mitchell, well – this is where it's kind of gray. If it, the the rules are, if you go from team A to team B in the first year, like you can't get guaranteed money switching teams right away. Unless uh, Rob thought because Hamilton made the move, they can own his rights and give him guaranteed money. I don't know exactly that, but that'll be an interesting thing to watch when teams go from, you know, veterans go from team to team. Yeah, I'd have to check on the official rule. Those, the, you know, these things change so quickly it almost feels like it's year to year which is why on our resolutions on tuesday one of them was for me freeze all rule changes including free agency rules and ratio rules and all of it just freeze them for a couple of years and let the coaches and the players catch up but um yeah it'd be interesting with with bo i i think that's probably another one of the it sounds like anyway another one of the reasons that he would be signed, uh, that they, you know, they wanted to make the deal and, and have exclusivity when it comes to discussing a new contract with him prior to February's free agent deadline. I uh, wonder if Plan B for the Riders, if they cannot, uh, you know, if they don't get even a chance to sign Bo Levi Mitchell, or if he does go to free agency and in, in the end pick somewhere else, like going back to Hamilton or whatever. I wonder if Plan B isn't 37-year-old Trevor Harris, and he comes in a package deal with. 
Geno Lewis. Wow. Yeah. And I, again, there's a guy that has, has been to the dance, didn't win it, but he's been there. And, you know, we, we've seen Trevor throw for over 4,000 yards, uh, number one receiver in the game. You know, Geno Lewis, number one receiver in the game, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again, another versatile guy, guy that can, uh, you know, do it all for you. He can he can get the hard yards over the middle. He can get up on top and break down the defense uh, with the deep ball. Uh, so that, that's an interesting scenario, again, heading into free agency. But, um, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of big names. And where do you build your team? I, you know, obviously the O-line is an important uh, – important you know area for well, the I think riders to look at what's more important for the rough riders now this might sound like a stupid question but i i did my own three uh resolutions for the riders last show and uh at number three i said defend your home turf because they lost six games straight here at mosaic stadium which basically unheard of then uh the number two, I picked quarterback, and number one, I picked offensive line. Because it doesn't matter who your quarterback is; he can't complete passes when he's looking at the lights. Yeah, agreed. I, you know, I think they've got to, um, you know, even change the ratio if they have to, uh, based on what's available and what they get, and you know what's out there as far as free agents goes in 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 veteran guys. Because if you're if you go beyond veteran guys and you start to look at your draft picks and younger players, you're just not sure. You're, you're not sure when the lights come on, if they need a year to develop, or are they going to be okay? And that includes American players, by the way. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're, if you're not getting veterans that have a resume in the Canadian football league, then you're, you know, you're bringing in as much competition as you can and letting the best man win coming out of training camp. And then hope that when the lights actually come on, and he's facing the top rush ends in the league that he's going to be able to hold his own or, or even dominate. So, I, but I agree. That's a, a point of emphasis for them. Quarterback, obviously, um, you know, and I, uh, beyond that too, I, I think they need some more, some more pressure up front on defense as well. Mm-hmm. So generally Glenn Suter, where there's smoke, there's fire. Okay, and, and where I'm going with this is I don't I love to see him back. I want him back. But Kean Schaefer Baker's worked out by my math with seven teams. Patriots the last team. Okay. Um generally when you have that many workouts, shouldn't we be reading the tea leaves and at the, the very least it'll be a Braden Lennius thing where the riders will probably have to start the season without him, I'm thinking. I'm thinking he's probably gonna get an offer. Well, you know, with this stuff, I mean, the, the world has become, even with news and, and everybody's different version of news and facts and creating facts and predictions, the news, is, the news and sports have become predictions. Like, like we're, we're, we're fortune tellers trying to read the future. I, I, would, I would tell you this. Keon Schaefer-Baker and Nathan Rourke um, will be pro bowlers if given an opportunity a fair opportunity to not only make the team but be starters. Mm-hmm. They are athletically and you know in the in the world of football IQs and and all the measurables and non measurables. They are Pro Bowl caliber players. They're world class players, world class athletes. And these guys, if given the right opportunity, and that's a massive if, will be Pro Bowl NFL players. So. You know, they're fantastic athletes. If I'm if I'm Craig Dickinson right now, I am planning a, a, a plan A and a plan B scenario, one with him in it, one with him not in it. 
Yeah, very interesting. All right, when we come back, we'll get to our second half of our press coverage with Glenn Suter. This is the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Who is that? We source over 80% of our potash goods and services. All right, back with Glenn Suter. So I'm looking at this Canada game, and I'm watching 17-year-old Connor Bedard, and he is must-watch TV just like Connor McDavid is for uh, Edmonton Oilers fans, just hockey fans. Like, I am an Oilers fan. They're very frustrating to watch. I always say I'm not going to watch them, and then i got to watch because McDavid's playing, okay? Who is who is a must-watch guy for you in the CFL? Now, take Nathan Rourke out of the equation because he's in limbo right now. Is there a must-watch guy? I've been racking my brain, and this isn't a commentary on our talent, Glenn. I think we have lots of great talent. Don't get me wrong. The world-class athletes, as you like to say. But I think it's more commentary on how we promote our talent. Because I can't think of a guy that is that I'd say, okay, i got to watch. the. It was Nathan Rourke for me and a lot of people I know. They would watch BC Lion Games. Your your ratings would bear that, okay? But, but is there anybody else? Off the top of your head, you see all the teams. I don't see them in person like you. Well, I love watching Zach Kolaros play. Okay. I, uh, I I love his uh, mobility. I love his approach to the game. His his all chips in the middle of the table approach is outstanding. Um, you know, and and he's a winner. I mean, look at look at his win loss record since he's been in Winnipeg, and and before he was injured and his knee was a problem for him. But uh, so I love I love watching him. Um, you know, there's there's a ton of players. Kadeem Carey, yeah, he's is, good, is out outstanding. Um, you know, I, I'm totally with you with Nathan Rourke. He was uh, another level of excitement. You know, but you know, Keon Schaefer Baker was one for me, honestly, uh, in in Saskatchewan last year. I just, you know, for me, it's the it's the athletes that when the ball is in their hand. Um, you just see a different level. I mean, Charleston Hughes in his prime when he was playing every snap uh, was worth the price of admission to me. Um, you know, guys like that, uh, you, you just, they dominate. It doesn't have to be the ball defense, but, you know, like, because I don't want to exclude defensive players or special team guys. Guys like our great returners, um, you know, like like the great returners in the league are, Worth the price of admission. Sometimes we just and, had we just had a guy on AJ Allen who, when we uh, shut the mics off, Zinger and I looked at each other and said, "That guy's a pretty good interview." Now he's a he's a guy that be the equivalent of a ditch digger in the CFL, but you need those guys. He blocked two punts, adds depth. He's a but but there are players out there if you dig deep enough that have great stories, and we could make them stars. I just think we've talked about that. We need to do a better job of making them. Uh, do our part to make the must-see TV, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, no question. That's that's partly you know my responsibility and TSN's responsibility uh, to to do that and to continue to improve at that um, as much as possible. But you know, there's for me, there's a ton of them, uh, Michael. I mean, Nick Dembski, who's Nick, a free Nick agent, Dembski. who's a free agent. Are yeah. you surprised he hasn't signed yet with anybody? No, I, I'm, I'm not, because I think a lot of these top guys are going to wait and see what the market will bear and what kind of offers they get. Um, you know, I, I think if it's, if it's ever close, like you're talking between 10, 15, 20,000 even, 
Um, you you probably, even though the salaries in the CFL, we know what they are. I mean, it's a good living, but it's not the other pro sports in the world. Um, and so when the guys get their offer and they're close, then the other things come into play. Like, what kind of team am I on? Do I love the culture? Am I fitting in? Um, you know, do we have a chance to win the championship and make some playoff money down the road? If you're If you're in it for the money, you're thinking that way. If you're not, you're thinking about location for your family your wife your your kids are they in schools i mean willie jefferson they're there i can't believe i buried the headline on guys that i would just pay money to go and watch athletically willie jefferson is a big one yeah yeah no that's a good point that's a very good point canada looks like they may have scored on a great play by bedard to straddle the line took a shot through I don't, it was deflected. It, it, Canada was celebrating like it was a goal, but it's still 0-0 with 11-14 to go in the opening period here. Canada and Czechia for the goal, as I'll just commentate here. He, look at that kid. Right-handed shot, straddles the line, shoots it, and was there goalie interference? I'll tell you what, Glenn. No, you played hockey I, here, man, and I know the Canadian offside. Canada took it out offside. Yeah, it was offside. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Okay, so, but Glenn, let's, let me deviate here, okay? A little ADHD Michael Ball here. I'm, 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 I'm getting sidetrack but i'm going to tell you something i'm going to tell you something right now okay last night the united states got ripped off those two goalie interference penalties especially the first one was not a goalie interference we are playing a contact sport we are not playing marbles here give me a break yeah i agree the first one for sure i you know i'm i'm obviously a patriot and i absolutely cheer uh, you know, beyond the realm for Team Canada, no matter where we are internationally or what sport it is, soccer doesn't matter. I, you know, I don't watch soccer. I really don't watch baseball. But when Canadians are involved, I'm, I'm all in. And that that first one on the wraparound uh, by the U.S., I, I was just, well, you know, kind of like appalled that that wasn't wouldn't be counted a goal. I don't know. I don't know what you do in that scenario when you're going to get the puck. You can go after the puck. He had control of it, spun around, and because his back leg touched the goalie, it didn't count. It's just, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I don't know. The second, the second one, I know that in world in in junior hockey, I don't know the rules specifically, but in junior hockey, according to the the guys on TSN uh, during the game, they were saying you just can't push the puck that you can't see. You can't push the pad of the goalie. So I could have lived with the second one, not the first. Yeah, okay. So back to football. You were talking about yeah. money, okay? And I have no – I'm just hypothetically spitballing here, okay? Um, yeah. Hamilton's got Bo by Mitchell's rights, okay? Suppose Hamilton – you're Bo by Mitchell's representative or you have his ear. Suppose Hamilton offers him $500,000 and then I don't know what kind of perks they can offer him. But you do know they have Orlando Steinauer. They've, you know, two of the last three years, they've been in the Grey Cup championship and they made a late run to get to the playoffs. Okay. So you've got a more stable situation, pretty good fan base near Toronto. He gets a $500,000 offer. Then free agency opens. He comes to Saskatchewan. He gets offered $525,000 with the Rough Riders. So twenty five grand more with an unstable situation here. All due respect to Coach Dickey and Jeremy O'Day. An unstable situation here. New offensive coordinator. Money probably goes farther. What are you, uh, what are you instructing Bo Levi to do? 
Well, if you're talking about that difference in contract money-wise, I don't think that will be relevant at all. I really don't. I think that'll be way down the list of priorities if it's, you know, ten to twenty-five thousand dollars different. Um, you know, after taxes, you, you just look at that and go, okay, so that fifteen grand or whatever it is, and and for some of the guys, and, and Bo is probably in the same boat. He's going to change a lot of that money back to U.S. money. So it depends on the exchange rate at the time. Um, you know, I think it goes it goes to the culture that has been built on the team. You know, I know you want to rank coaches, and we can do that on Tuesday. Yeah, we're running out of yeah, time. Yeah, we but, are running out of time. But, yeah, absolutely. But I'll just quickly, I'll just give you a quick preview of it. I, I've split them into three groups, and the the top three are O'Shea, Dick, uh, Dave Dickinson in Calgary, and Orlando in in Hamilton. And and Craig Dickinson is in the second group with Rick Campbell and Ryan Dinwiddie. Um, so it's like a you know, I think that's a big part of it. When you start talking about coordinators, culture, players around the quarterback, that to me will be the priority. That would be my priority. It really would be. And it was throughout my career. I mean, I didn't want to leave Saskatchewan because I just, I love the fan base, to be honest with you. And I think that has a little bit to do with it too. Facility yeah. and fan base. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, yeah, and and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers today, Signed Stanley Bryant, who's going to be 37 in May. He went there in 2015 as a free agent. Now, I know it's the Bombers. This is a rider station. But let's let's understand greatness. This guy is a, is a walking Hall of Famer right now. I compare him to that Andrew Whitworth who played for the Rams as a 40-year-old offensive lineman when they won the Super Bowl last year. Former Bengal Ram. He's now on broadcasting for Amazon here on Thursday Night Football. But 37, the guy's the only offensive lineman in the CFL to win the outstanding offensive alignment award more than twice hasn't missed the start with the winnipeg blue bombers he's not stanley bryant of five years ago but we need to appreciate greatness yeah i you know i mean he he is the standard um you know and and one of the reasons that well maybe the main reason is that both the offensive and defensive line of scrimmage the bombers have been dominant throughout the last five years which is why they've been the best team in the league for the last three or four years. I mean, this is the, the you know, the, the game breaks down pretty simply and you've got tackles, offensive American tackles that you should be able to find and recruit. And then you have to teach them the game and the nuances of Canadian football. And that yard off the ball is hard to, to, to learn early. But once you get it, then you got to stick with these guys and, and let them grow into being all-star tackles. And that's what Stanley Bryan has done in Winnipeg. He leads that group. They made some changes from year to year on their O line, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem to drop their performance. And part of that is the play of their quarterback too. Let's yeah. let's be honest. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Glenn, thanks for your time, man. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the rest of this game. Canada's buzzing on the power play. They had a goal overturned because of an offside. Czechia hit a goal post, and now Canada is tossing the puck around on the power play, and they just fired it high, and Czechia clears. So enjoy the game, okay? You guys too. Go Canada. Let's go. Take care. Glenn Suter joining you, Glenn. us. Yeah, see you, Glenn. Joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. QualityTire.ca. That's going to do it for the show. Let's go, Tomorrow, man. I am live from the Caledonian Club. The Cali, it is the Saints and Sinners curling bond spiel. I will be playing in it a little bit. My son's going to pick up the slack because I got this thing called the sports cage to do from 3 until 6 with yours truly. 
and uh, Sean Kleisinger. Uh, but Zinger already tomorrow on the docket. We have got Curly Gittens Jr. Ooh. I like that. And Luches Pierrefoy. Okay. This is the place. Zinger. Okay. Where do you go for your CFL football? The voice of Saskatchewan. 620 CKRM. Zinger with those. Oh, did Canada just oh, score? Oh, we just scored, baby. Yeah. Canada. Yeah. Oh, Canada. Oh, yeah. Hey, Ballsy, make sure you stretch tonight and drink a lot of water because you're curling tomorrow. I don't yeah. want you to, you know, hurt yourself. You got to stay hydrated. I got to get <clears throat> I gotta get my voice ready. <clears throat> yeah. Hard. Hurry. Hard. 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 Hard.